Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Today is Pac-12 Media Day. PK, Jake Scott, they will be at Pac-12 Media Day interviewing coaches, interviewing players, getting you geared up. There'll be a poll out. Where are the Utes going to be picked in the preseason poll? To me, it's pretty clear they're going to be picked second, and, and I'm fine with that. There's a bunch of question marks. I don't think you can know it for sure. It's a prediction. Predictions are what they are. It makes sense the way they played last year. There's a little mini season. It doesn't tell you much, but they were breaking in so many new players, and they got better very quickly. You know, they lost two games at the start, gave one away at Washington, played USC when USC already had games under the belt, and the Utes didn't. So wasn't exactly a fair fight there. And the quarterbacking was never very good. Now, I think this year, as much as a lot of Ute fans like to see him pick first, and I get that, and maybe they'll finish first, it's still a question of, you know, how is this offense going to come together? New quarterback transferring in, new running backs transferring in, wide receivers transferring out. Uh, There's just a lot of question marks at the skill positions. Maybe ASU and UCLA will be good. Uh, you know, UCLA ought to be good at some point, right? I mean, Chip's had some time to get his guys in there and improve, but we really haven't seen a sign of it, and I just don't think people trust him. And Arizona State should be good. They're lined up to be good, but got a lot of distractions, got a tight end coach who's already on administrative leave. He's had to step away. Are there going to be more coaches disappearing over the course of this season? How's this going to play out? I think it's going to be USC 1, Utah 2, ASU 3, UCLA 4. Colorado 5 and Arizona 6. Colorado showed a little something last year. Arizona with a new staff. I, I think it's pretty clear cut. The North, probably a little more confusing. Uh, people go back and forth on the order of Oregon and Washington. Uh, maybe going back and forth on the order of Cal and Stanford. And then I think Wazoo and Oregon State at the bottom. Um, so, what do you think? You can hit us up on our Facebook page or uh, David uh, DJ and PK or on Twitter at David DJ James. We'll get to more on this coming up later in the show. <clears throat> read a lot of stories about where college football goes from here. <clears throat> Oklahoma and Texas are making the move to the SEC. What's the next move? I think that the Pac-12's issue here, and it's probably not an issue for USC, Oregon, and Washington. They're just going to, or maybe UCLA. They'll just, well, no, USC, Oregon, and Washington. UCLA will do whatever USC does, I think. Um, the Big Ten's not going to want to fall too far behind the SEC. Who are they going to poach? Are they going to – I don't think they're going to get CC schools. Uh, I don't think there's that much in the Big the Big 12 that interests them. Are they going to pull ACC schools? Are they going to try and create some kind of Western division with the Pac-12? And I think that's something some, some Pac-12 schools ought to fear. Uh, talking to people yesterday, um, they think the Pac-12 needs to be aggressive. I don't think any of the incremental moves that you can talk about, all the schools in the West that have been talked about – the Big 12 schools that now might be available, I think they're incremental moves. And the gap's getting too big. Will they help you close the gap a little bit in the short run, but the gap will keep widening and you'll still have a problem down the line. There may be nothing that the Pac-12 can do. <clears throat> Ultimately, as we head to two or three Super Leagues here, maybe the best of the Pac-12 will get picked off and they'll just be uh, a Western division of the Big 10 or something like that. But I think under the theory of hold your enemies close, Hold your friends close and hold your enemies closer. I almost butchered that. Uh, 
the Pac-12 needs to revive that scheduling deal with the Big 12, with the uh, Big Ten, uh, and then the two conferences need to take their TV rights to the networks together. They won't get exactly the same money, but it will help leverage. It'll help reduce the supply. I don't think they'll be get hit, be getting hit up. Uh, for any antitrust or anything with the SEC out there and so big, I think that protects them. Like Monopoly, pff, even combined, we're not the biggest dog on the block. So I think they've got that going for them. And I did run that by somebody yesterday, and they think that is something to look at too. Guarantee the in the TV deal, not only do you get the Big Ten games and the Pac-12 games, but you also get, um, and they'll have to settle on a number, uh, at least 10 uh, maybe 15 to 20 games between the two conferences, which means you might have some Big Ten teams playing night games on the West Coast early in the season, and that scheduling could be worked out. Now, they almost did this a few years ago, and then it got scuttled at the last second, although Utah did play Michigan. They got a home-and-home home out of the deal, so there was that. They won both games, so that was a positive. Uh, and, and it won't be the same for everybody in the conference. It'll be limited by the fact that the Pac-12 has 12 teams and – the Big Ten has 14, so everybody in that conference won't get to play 14 games. And I don't know that Stanford and USC are going to want to play Big Ten teams twice. I think that the Pac-12 has to go to eight league games. I don't think anybody likes it, but I think it's what they have to go to. Eight league games and then two Power Five games, mostly against the Big Ten. Obviously, Notre Dame and USC will want to play – excuse me, Stanford and USC will want to play Notre Dame. And maybe there will be a few carve-outs to set up a couple SEC games – so, you know, you can see something there, but I think, I think 15 to 20 games. And I think go to market and essentially turn yourself into one conference even though you're not. Now, will that slow down the Big Ten's insatiable appetite or will it stop it? I don't know, but I think it's the best move the Pac-12 has. So we'll get into that later in the show. Going to take a break right now. Coming up, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. We will get to him. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Pac-12 Media today, uscfootball.com. Ryan Abraham, the founder uh Joined us yesterday in the show, right in the middle of the show, the news broke about Oklahoma and Texas uh, grant of rights. And at the end of the show, or at the end of the segment with him, I even asked him about, you know, Hawaii and just make them one of the late night games and expand the league and you want to recruit Hawaii. But in 24 hours, I've totally changed my mind. All the incremental stuff, I, I just don't think it's going to pay off. I don't think it's enough. The gap is growing too big too quickly. And I think if they don't do something big, there's going to be trouble. Uh, the SEC came calling for the Big 12. Will the Big 10 come calling for the Pac-12? All right, here's Ryan Abraham. Right now, it's time to welcome in Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, host of the podcast of Champions and a frequent guest here on the show during the college football season or whenever college football starts making news. And right now, well, it's both things. Here comes Media Day, and here comes another round of realignment speculation. Ryan, good morning. 
Good morning. Yeah, it's uh, sort of a weird off season with the summer and all that stuff. Now it's just uh, we're hitting the ground running uh, with Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow and all this Texas and Oklahoma news is going, changing the whole sport. So Oklahoma and Texas, what have you heard in Los Angeles? How does this reverberate? What do you know? Yeah, it's funny because you know you were looking forward to uh, the new leadership in the Pac-12, George Glayovkov coming in, Larry Scott uh, going out, and you know want to make as big of a splash as you can. There's the media rights deal coming up in a couple of years and all that, and this is just news that can dwarf anything that the Pac-12 is going to do. Um, I mean, we should find out probably today or tomorrow that Texas, Oklahoma, sending in this letter and uh, you know expressing their interest in leaving the conference. And, you know, looks like it's going to be the SEC, but I think it just puts the Pac-12 on notice that uh, it's it's good in one aspect that one of your rivals, the the Big 12, will be gutted, and and you're going to move up the hierarchy no matter what. The Big 12 actually gets a pretty good payday for each of their schools, but what are you going to do to try to compete uh, in this new landscape? So it's it's definitely changed the game, and it's not going to make it easy for George Klavkov to try to uh, put his stamp on the West Coast uh, football. There's there's some advantages, but there's going to be some disadvantages. Uh, the good thing, though, is that the Big 12 won't be as a threat anymore. It looks like that league's probably going to dissolve, and maybe there's some pieces there that the Pac-12 can pick up. So two things jump out at me right away. It's always two things. It's never one or three with me. It's always two. <clears throat> there's probably three things that should jump out at me, but my brain can't handle that. Just can't do it. I'm limited. <sighs> the first thing is that, well, to your point, what pieces do they want to pick up, right? Well, the pieces they wanted, the pieces they wanted a decade ago when they took Colorado and Utah, they wanted Oklahoma and Texas. They're the biggest brand names. They bring the most value, and now they can't have those. The pieces they were willing to accept to get Oklahoma and Texas, which have some value, but not enormous value, Oklahoma State football has had a lot of success. They've poured a lot of resources into the program, even when they have coaches change going forward. You know, I can see Oklahoma State being good. Texas Tech, I suppose, uh, man, I just don't see Baylor. I'm not sure I see TCU. I really don't see Baylor. Uh, Kansas and Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia's too far away. I don't see four teams to add to get to 16. Maybe I see two, but I just don't know that they have the academic profile outside of Kansas that the league wants, and Kansas is probably going to try and cut a deal with the Big Ten. So... It's not clear to me that there's anything obvious there, but this, to your other point, with the Big 12 gutted, now you've got three networks bidding for four leagues, and Disney, the ABC-ESPN combo, already has the SEC and the ACC locked up. So the pressure for CBS and Fox, if you're going to be in college football, you've got to cut a deal with the Big 10 or you've got to cut a deal with the Pac-12. Historically, obviously, Fox has had its fingers in different ways, but they've, they've cut deals with both schools. CBS, are they going to want in after losing that SEC game? I think so. I think the Pac-12 is worth more money just because of supply and demand. Yeah, I think the ESPN has made it clear what they're going after. College football playoff, the SEC, you know, the ACC, and they got a great deal there. That's a pretty bad TV contract, just like the Pac-12 signed uh, years ago. But that might be a good opportunity, like you said, for the Pac-12 with either CBS or Fox. Um you just hope that those, those networks aren't going to de-emphasize things if ESPN has a monopoly on the best conference. And, you know, basically they have March Madness and, you know, the back in the day, the Big East and the ACC, are they all that stuff. Um, will the others, will it matter if you have some of the other leagues? I think it will. I think CBS and, and Fox are still going to be playing heavily in that space, and it could be good 
for the Pac-12 now that you know the Big 12 wouldn't be a factor. I think the you know there's only a couple of AAU schools in the Big 12. Uh, maybe it's an Oklahoma State and a Texas Tech that that makes sense to to come over, or maybe it's better just to stay at 12. You don't want to add um, schools just for the sake of, of adding them if it's not going to bring value. And who knows? Maybe you know football drives this bus. Is there going to be football? Uh, only deals that are done where maybe you know you you know the water polo teams aren't going to have to go to Lubbock or whatever, but you could you know have football relationships with those in the Pac-12. So I, I think for George Klyakov, everything has to be on the table. What's going to maximize uh, your exposure, revenue, t- you know, for future TV deals, all of that for the Pac-12, and that's what you have to do. Not just expanding for the sake of expanding, because you're right. There's not obvious fits. It'd be awesome to get Oklahoma or Texas. I mean, that's what. Uh, Larry, you know, Larry Scott tried, and you end up getting Colorado. So it was basically a paper cut to the, the Big Twelve. Now this is, uh, you know, you've cut the, you know, femur artery, and there, there's no way that the conference can survive without the two biggest brands. So there's, there's going to be schools there, and you maybe get them on the cheap because they're, they're going to be desperate. I mean, that TV deal, I think they're making like 38 million a year, and it's probably going to get half of that without Oklahoma and Texas. So it's. It's going to be it's crazy right now. The college football landscape is going to be changing dramatically, and it'll be interesting to hear what George Klyovkov has to say uh, tomorrow at Pac-12 Media Day. Dr. Ryan Abraham performing surgery. Metaphors and similes, that's where it's at. Good work, Ryan. You nailed it. <laughs> so USC, we've heard this stuff about independence. Is there anything to that, or is that just uh, positioning and posing, And but they're not really going to do it? So I think similar to what, George Klyovkov came in, and Larry Scott screwed up a lot of stuff, right? And I think when you heard him speak, he was addressing a lot of the problems and things that Larry Scott didn't do. I think Mike Bone did the exact same thing. They've had just incompetent leadership with former football players running the athletic department. And he, you know, he came on my podcast last year, and uh, I asked him that question. He said everything's on the table. It sort of reverberated through the, you know, the sports world. Um, but you know, recently he's come back and said, hey, he's, he's happy with the Pac-12. Um, I feel like, you know, at this point, they, you know, they know they have power, especially seeing Texas and Oklahoma leave. If you're the biggest brand in the conference, it's clear the conference needs you more than you need the conference. It's just that way. Will, it, you know, will they be a, a bigger voice at the table? Will they have a bigger share of the pie? I think it just gives USC more options within the Pac-12. But there's also going to be suitors, you know, like there's been reports out there, you know, if, you know, the other conferences like the Big Ten or whatever could come in and try to get some of the bigger brands in the conference, too. So I think it gives USC some semblance of power. But from, you know, everything we've heard, it sounds like they're, you know, want to go along with the Pac-12 and but have a, a larger voice in, in what, you know, what could happen. So I think George Klyovkov has to keep uh, your, you know, the bigger brands happy. I, I know before Larry Scott was just more about parity. It didn't matter if you put Washington or Oregon or USC in a competitive disadvantage. You just wanted everyone to be happy. I don't think that's going to be the case with George Klayakov. You got to keep the big brands happy. And I think they have to all work together to try to make the Pac-12 as strong as possible. And, and it's better for everyone if they're able to do that. But I think the days of parity and Oregon State's the same as UCLA. I think those days are over now. So turning to the actual football competition that is in front of us, the first taste of that is the preseason poll. Rank the six in the South for us. Ooh, good one. Um, so 
the the funny thing is Arizona State is such a wild card right now. They you know their tight ends coach was put on paid administrative mm-hmm. leave. Will any shoes drop between now and then? I th- I think USC, Utah, and Arizona State are going to be the three favorites in the South. Utah adding the transfers and stuff. I think I still think it's going to be USC um, at the top, and I'm probably going to go Utah two and Arizona State. Three uh, UCLA's, you know, they're the dark horse to me. I think they're they're knocking on the door, and uh, I, I like what Jedfish is doing. But I have to go Colorado uh, fifth, and then and and Jedfish and the and the Wildcats sixth, just because it's going to take them a little bit of time. And they're on a twelve game losing streak. It's not like he was coming in and uh, on fire or anything. So I think just Carl Durrell had one year. Uh, this is Jedfish's first first go at it. And he has an advantage that he did have an off season where Carl Durrell didn't, but. I think that's kind of the order of way things could come down. But Arizona State could win the whole thing, or they could lose their head coach and and be completely out of it. So that's the that's the big wild card factor for me because I think they could be they're a really talented team. Uh, there's just so much uh, uncertainty going on around that program right now. And in the north, I still like Oregon. Um, you know that I, I I feel like they've almost separated themselves a little bit. I, Washington should be there, but I, there's something with Jimmy Lake. There. I'm, I'm just not sure yet, but I think I'll go Washington uh, two there. Uh, I like what Cal's doing. Um, so I think, you know, they got Chase Garber's back, so I'll go Cal uh, at number three. Then it gets a little, you know, I'm not sure where they're going to go from there. I think, you know, Washington State uh, has some opportunities there. That Oregon State fifth and Stanford, I, it, it kills me to do this because every time I count David Shaw out, uh, they come back and they, they have a great year. And they, you know they went four two last year, but I just feel like this, it's just not the, the wheels are coming off that train and, or that bus or whatever. And uh, I think they're going to finish last in the in the North. I'm probably an idiot for saying that, but I'm, that's where I think Stanford's going to end up. You want to explain to people in Utah about this USC Stanford rivalry and what Stanford would think of a USC guy picking Stanford sixth? <laughs> Oh yeah, they would hate that. Well, you know, they they have like twelve fans total, so it's not like there. I wouldn't get a whole lot of emails or phone calls or anything. But now there, it's funny. We do the conference, uh, the, the podcast of champions, and the Stanford fans are great, super smart. They're knowledgeable. There's just not that that many of them, and they get on us. You know, uh, we we thought they would be bad last year. They didn't even practice. They couldn't practice at home. <laughs> they go, you know, and and they come out and they they win a bunch of games. It's just for me, just what David Shaw's done. They're just not recruiting at the same level. It seems like you know they're they're getting a lot of guys transferring out of the program. Something just doesn't seem right. I don't think they're ever going to get rid of David Shaw. He's going to have to leave and go to the NFL Network or something when he wants to. But yeah, for me, me picking them last, I'm going to get a lot of flack for that. <laughs> okay, so I just asked you about the divisions, but I have a theory here: the 12 team playoff. I know it's not official, but it feels like it's coming. And if indeed it happens then I think the divisions are done. And I think whether it's one 12-team uh, table or if they expand, you know, it's just 13, 14, 15, 16, wherever this thing goes. It ought to go to an even number, obviously. Uh, yeah. It'll just be one list. Because in the divisions, you risk an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team winning a division and then 25th ranked and winning the conference in one game and upsetting some team that's ranked 8th or 6th or 4th or whatever and knocking them down to 13th and knocking them out of the playoff. And the 25th team yeah. not rising up and getting there. So I think, even though it looks like the Big 12 is on the verge of dissolving here, what will live on if it happens there is that the Big 12's championship game just matched the top two teams. 
I think that's where the Pac-12 has to go so that they don't have a team that, in terms of the playoff, is nothing, knocking out a team that is something. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and the good thing is, you know, I don't know if Larry Scott would have wanted to do that, but, you know, because, oh, we want to be able to win your division. And, uh, hey, Colorado won the division, and it's great. But I think George Klyovkov knows you have to do whatever you need to do to maximize your playoff chances. And in a world where it's a 12-team playoff, divisions don't make sense. It was a few years ago at UCLA was 6-6 six and six in the championship game. They upset the North winner, and, man, you got you got a lot of problems there. So, yes, I agree with you. I feel like this is a situation that you have to be nimble. You have to adjust. If someone's mad because you're getting rid of the division, it's too bad. Like, this is what you have to do to try to get the most teams and protect your teams from uh, getting eliminated from the, the college football playoff. So, exactly what you said, the way you describe it, you can't have that kind of situation. The days of putting your best teams at a competitive disadvantage – are over. You can't do that. Um, you've seen the you know, it didn't work in the SEC. If anything was going to get in Alabama's way, the SEC would make sure. Hey, we're not going to do this out of our way to make Alabama uh, go through a, hard, a tougher road, you know. And I don't feel you can do that. If, if there's a chance that Oregon gets upset and don't make the playoff, you can't. You can't do that. So I think the divisions will go away as soon as we know about the, the playoffs. So it. I mean, this could take a while. This could take a couple of years. We might see this in the next year or so. Uh, with the new playoff, with a bigger SEC. It just depends. All these TV contracts, you know, they're, they're not over for a while, but it's probably in everyone's best interest to get these things uh, going faster. So I, this is an interesting time, I call it, football for sure. So we just have to kind of hold on and see what happens. we got two things happening right now, even as you speak, Ryan. One, I have a listener who is a Stanford fan reaching out to me with, I need this guy to go. Classic USC guy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's 12 Stanford fans in Northern California and one in Utah, and one in Utah nice. is lighting you up. It was so predictable. When I heard you, having lived in California, when you said that, I thought, yeah, that's just USC Stanford. That's, that's going to happen right there. All right, the second thing is more serious. Yak, what did you just see? Who did you see it from? Bring Ryan up to speed while he's yakking with us. Well, it's a joint statement coming in from both Texas and the University of Oklahoma saying that the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas at Austin have notified the Big 12 Athletic Conference today they will not be renewing their grants of media rights following the expiration in 2025. You know what Vince Scully used to say, Ryan? To the track, to the wall, gone! Yeah, wow. So this is, uh, I mean, not this is happening. obviously. We thought it would come today but this is a you know that's four years right i mean is that going to happen are you going to let texas and oklahoma wither on the vine well they won't be withering the the conference will be and you know i don't think this is going to happen it's either going to be the big 12 dissolves and they can walk away or those two teams have to figure out a way to pay 75 i think it's like 75 million dollars each to get out um so now we're on the clock. We know that they're going to go. Uh, now they can officially go, hello, SEC, we'd be interested in joining you. And uh, what happened? I mean, the SEC could probably pay or everyone could kind of put it together. But this is uh, the timing now becomes when are they going to leave? And then obviously what happens? There's just going to be, I mean, is it ashes left for the Big 12? There's just no way. So those schools are going to be scrambling to try to do something. Um, and uh, obviously, we're going to hear something soon about the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma. Man, this is a, it's, a, it's an unexpected bomb drop, but man, it's a bomb. 
It just feels like, uh, to go with all the, the analogies, the metaphors, and the similes here, uh, the divorce is going to happen. Everybody's calling their lawyers, and you can leave, but I'm getting the house. Who gets the money? Who gets the TV contract? <laughs> that's, that's where this is right now. If they're sending a letter, then it is on, and anything can be negotiated. And the price is money. And that's yeah. that's where it is. Forget all the collegiality, blah blah blah. Right now, this is this is all about the cash. Well, what are they paying to get out, and what do they have to leave behind? And the other eight have yeah. got to just. Here's the thing, you and you said this earlier. You can't add teams just to add teams. No league can do that. Now maybe West Virginia can be team 15. I think the ACC will always hold a spot for Notre Dame at 16. So yeah. West Virginia will make calls. West Virginia, Kansas, and Iowa State would all be crazy not to call the Big Ten. Everybody, everybody else is calling the Pac-12. <laughs> so the Pac-12's got to decide what they want. And is it going to come down to, you're right, the TV contract could shrink you know, by 50%, give or take a little bit. BYU, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, we know the schools they flirted with before. Do they add those four now and try to go on because nobody wants them? And do those schools want to jump in that boat thing? And well, is that boat going to come apart? Yeah, there's so many options on the table. Unfortunately for the Pac-12, they're not great ones. Um, at least on paper, we are not seeing anything that's great. And maybe George Klyovkov comes up with some crazy idea that we never even thought of and uh, makes the conference a lot of money. But there's you're going to have to be nimble and you're going to have to be, I mean, this is huge news happening the day before PAC 12 media day. And, you know, the good thing is it's not the PAC 12 getting gutted. It's, it's the big 12, but you still are, you know, the, the 800 pound gorilla just, you know, put on some weight, ate a few more cheeseburgers and it's going to be even bigger now. So you got to compete against that. And uh, I think the PAC 12 has some options, uh, but we just don't see the great ones yet. So that's why, they, you know, George Klayovkov gets paid the big bucks. He's got to come up with something special here to uh, really help his conference. Ryan, I have these random thoughts, and 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 Yach knows this, and he's going to giggle because I'm going to throw out one that I've hit him with at ten uh, ten after the show when we've been doing this. He's covering his face. Yach, what am I going to say right now? We haven't talked about this. I've got about three that I can think of right off the top of my head. But I'm only going to embarrass myself with one of them on the air. Which one is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> come on, Yach. You don't want to guess? No, Name a school. Fun. I'm not even going to guess. Oh, yuck. All right. So if you bring in four teams from the Midwest, and I get travel would be an issue and all that, nobody wants to play the night games. The Pac-12 will have value to CBS, Fox, ABC, and ESPN in that fourth window at yeah. Hawaii football only. They've already got the rest of their sports parked in the Big West. I don't know where Oklahoma State and Texas Tech had parked their sports. They probably find something. Hawaii's already done. They'll play the late games. You can build them up over time. And there's a lot of athletes in Hawaii. <laughs> there's a lot of athletes. It might give you an advantage in recruiting. Or maybe not, because kids in L.A. are going to Clemson and Alabama. How far out? How far out is that? I mean, is that just uh, like way far. out there by Pluto and can't even be considered? <laughs> yeah, Pluto's not even playing anymore, right? Or is it? It's not, it's and that's back. the thing. Uh, Hawaii might not be a Pac-12 school. I didn't pick <laughs> Neptune on purpose. Yeah, I, I think that would be really tough as far as like just all everything as far as travel and stuff goes. If you're going to be a team that's further west of the Pac-12, um, they, they can't really. They still have to, you know, be a lot of travel for all the other sports. 
I nope, think you nope, guess. not the other sports. The other sports are already in the Big West. You're taking them football only. I'm not that crazy. Just football only. Okay, so similar to what you you know maybe do with like Texas Tech. Yeah, the Pac-12's Oklahoma never State. the Pac-12's never been open to that. I just don't know if they're desperate enough now that they would be open to it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that you have to look at that possibility. You have to look at all of them. Um, I don't know. It, it, academically, I don't think all that stuff really adds up. Right. Uh, and it's you know they're playing in a, a stadium that's going to be. I mean, yeah, they're going to. They're supposed to be building a new one, and they certainly would with Pac-12 money. Right. That would. I would think that would help them uh, get there. And you know, I think Pac-12 recruits Hawaii pretty well already. But yeah, that that might be a little bit of a stretch. But you know, who knows? It'd be. Uh, you got to keep all options on the table. If it works, if you can run the numbers and it works, it's going to work well and help the conference. Then yeah, you can do it. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on that one happening. Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again as the season gets closer. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Here's Ryan Abraham. When we come back, PK and I stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. JMPK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision loves teachers. If your teacher needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment and inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call them today at 801-253-3080. 801-253-3080 or check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Time to welcome in PK checking in. And PK, your mom was right before her time. She beat all the college football recruiters on the SEC story. She was famous for saying, money loves money. And now Oklahoma and Texas send the letter to the Big 12 on the grant of rights. They are preparing to jump to the SEC. Money loves money. And Oklahoma and Texas love the SEC. She was right. Well, uh, also for myself here. I have sent a letter to our organization that I will renew my grant of rights. <laughs> yes. I think that's a good thing for most employees in the U.S. to send, you know. And I love money, bit. too. So <laughs> hopefully there'll be more of it down the line. There you go. I like the way you think. <laughs> yes, it's very important. So you are a PAC. Not, you're not a PAC-8 guy because Arizona and Arizona State got into the and made it the PAC-10 but Correct. the Pac-10, that gives you three and a half, no, four going on four and a half decades of equity in the league. And basically that makes you a lifelong fan. So I'm curious, you look at eight of the teams and you know the game now, either those eight stick together and bring in two or four more teams or those eight cut deals and try to jump to other conferences. And realistically, those eight are going to try and do both things at the same time. As a Pac-12 lifer, any of those eight excites you? 
I don't know if they excite me. I don't know that the Pac-12 needs to expand just because the SEC is, because you're never going to chase down the SEC to begin with. Right. So why go and try to do something that you don't want to do? And if you want to do it, that's an entirely different story. But, I mean, I don't go to Hawaii. I heard you talking to Ryan there. Just because Texas and Oklahoma go in the SEC doesn't mean the Pac-12 need to go to Hawaii just to get some games on at 2 in the morning back east that no one's going to be paying attention to anyway. Uh, so I don't know about that, but you investigate, you investigate everything. Sure. Yeah. The thing that I'm more concerned about from the PAC 12 perspective is not necessarily expanding. I mean, Oklahoma state to me is something that is worthwhile. Then you check out TCU, you check out Texas tech, uh, obviously Kansas basketball is really good. Kansas state football has had a decent program and a lot of different program sports, I should say. So um, you would see that, but you know, you, you have to, to me, the bigger concern for the Pac-12 is the, not from the expansion fallout, but the fallout potentially of other programs saying, hey, wait a second here. I mean, SUSC, do they fall further behind, revenue speaking, as the SEC becomes so dominant? And basically, the SEC is a super league now in terms of having like Kevin Durant join the Warriors. And yep. we know what happened there yeah. when they did that. And so now do the, does anybody really pay attention or how much attention do they pay beyond Clemson and uh, Ohio State outside of the ACC? And so in that regard, does the Pac-12 fall further behind? And so does SC say, hey, wait a second, does uh, Washington, does Oregon, you know, what are the the – power brokers, so to speak, of the Pac-12 do as far as that goes? And what what does the eight remaining of the Big 12, what do they do? Do they, because there's been all sorts of talk, it's been out there for a long time now, of going and poach the Arizonas. And what, what type of deal can they set up? Because if they can strengthen or fortify themselves, does that weaken the Pac-12 even more? So I don't look at it as far as the Pac-12 expanding. I look about uh, maybe uh, reducing teams and what do these others who have options do if they want to use these options? That's interesting. Reducing teams, invite a couple people to leave the party. That isn't how college sports has worked. But it is also pretty easy to look and say, you know, which teams bring the least value and. Thanks for playing. The door's on your right. Yeah, to me, you know, uh, on uh, what was it? Uh, when did it happen? On Thursday when the news came. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was off that day, although I I was housebound. We were having carpet put in. And so it was a six-hour project. So I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, I had to stay there. And so I fired up the satellite and listened to – all these national shows spent all that time and also was preparing for uh, the media day that we're having here and uh, went through every team did deep, even deeper dives. Uh, I still have Washington state and Oregon state left, but I did deeper dives than I normally do on 10 PAC 12 teams. So listening to just a whole bunch of uh, people the, the things that they're concerned about from the Pac-12 is not necessarily adding teams, but if teams leave. So this, and, and I don't think you can understate this. I think this has the potential to be 
the greatest, uh, how can I say this, uh, earth-shattering college football news that we've had since, uh, what was it, uh, when did they decide that uh, TV contracts could be divvied up way back when? I think that, you know, that was a big thing. And I think this, yeah, in the 80s, right. And this has the potential to be bigger because this is just two teams potentially two athletic programs potentially moving but i think the fallout is going to be far far greater than simply two teams moving from one conference to another so and i think a lot of people listening agree with that and they can see how any of those other eight teams might be on the move or how those eight teams might be trying to bring in two to four teams but your point is yes yes but expand beyond that you know, and the the Big Ten is the second most valuable league. And they are thinking, how do we keep up with the SEC? And if they really think outside the box, because there was a time when 12, 14, and 16-team leagues were unthinkable. And now they are thinkable. But if they're going to expand and add teams, USC and Oregon are two huge brands. If you wanted four teams, I think USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington – so as you listen to all those shows, did they get into specifics? Would it be more? Would it be six or eight teams to have a division out west and make it a massive TV contract? What are they thinking? Uh, yes to basically everything there. I mean, literally everything, as you just said, is on the table. So, yeah, I, they're not necessarily going down uh, road number one, two, or three. They're going down all of them to see what is going on. I mean, this is a crazy time. Now, this news was just explosive beyond explosive, right? It dominated uh, college sports and will continue to do so. Uh, it, it is so crazy, David James Nickeldorf III. You know that song that it never rains in Southern California? It yep. is raining in Southern California as we speak. Well, so they need when that it. happens, <laughs> when that happens, you know that this is a weird, weird world in which we live. So all of those things are out there and I can't pinpoint a B or C because everything is available right now because the big 12 or excuse me, the big 10 has at least their ballpark being able to keep up with the sec. You know, I'm not sure the other conferences are now, especially they couldn't before and they certainly not going to now, you know, if this thing comes to pass and in whichever configuration that it does. And we know they sent the letter this morning, but there's still opportunities for them to stay if they get more money, what have you. But this is the first step. It certainly looks that direction. And we've got a few years, depending. And you told me years ago, I can. I was thinking of you the other day. Well, they're not going to get out until 24, 25. Yeah, but everything is negotiable. Right. So, you know, three, four years could be three, four months. And they could be playing in 20, what's it, 21? They could be playing in 2022 for all we know. So, yeah, I think all of these athletic uh, conferences are going to have to figure out what's best for them. And then individual schools are going to have to figure out what's best for them. And, you know, we, we wouldn't have thought that it's just a smaller level, the implosion of whack football or the implosion of big East football. Who's to say that there's not one of these power five conferences that doesn't exist the way we know it in a year from now. Yeah. And the Big 12's at the front of the line, but to your point, it's not crazy to see the Pac-12 remade. And I think the thing it comes down to is supply and demand. Cartels and monopolies can make a lot of money. And so I I read this a long time ago. I think when I read it, and I don't know who to credit for, um, but when I read it, I think we still had six leagues. I don't think the Big East had been... uh, 
had been devastated by the ACC yet. And they said the TV networks have more of the power because at that point you only had kind of two networks. Fox wasn't maybe really into football at that point. You only had a couple networks that were interested really in jumping into the deep end of the college football pool. Fox may have been dabbling. NBC dabbles with Notre Dame. But you got six leagues and you got two TV networks, so the leagues have to cater to the networks. But the leagues all knew they'd have more power if there were fewer of them. So now we're going to have four power leagues, and if there's some kind of Pac-12, Big Ten merger, restructure, you know, do, do, the, do the eight most valuable Pac-12 brands go with the eight most valuable Big Ten brands and form a 16-team league? Or is it 12 and 6? You know, I mean, you can go to any permutation combination of numbers. But the fewer bidders, the more CBS, Fox, and ABC, ESPN think, well, we got to get this league. I mean, the pressure's on Fox and CBS now. ABC, ESPN's already locked up the SEC and the ACC. So if you're going to make money on the weekends in the fall, you're going to televise football. And if you're going to televise football, you're going to make a deal with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten regardless of whether that deal is good, very good, or great. You're going to have to make it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that I feel probably the most strong, I don't necessarily know in what type of formula, but I think we're going to see a breakaway. The NCA is being phased out. Uh, that, uh, to me, that's abundantly clear, as we know it anyway, as some rules uh jurisprudence if that makes sense. That, that part's toast. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're right. here. And Emmert's statement last week, they're right. basically here to run championships. And so right. you don't have to break away from them if they just let go and receive, you know, you don't have to move out of your parents' house if your parents tell you you don't have a curfew, come and go as you please. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think that there's going to be some tor- some form of breakaway the way we know uh, FBS and FCS and all that stuff. And so I think these these basically these power brokers are going to form their own league and, and d- decide how many teams or co- programs they're going to invite in and uh, you know how they're going to set it up. Is it going to be an American conference and a national conference, basically, like mm-hmm. the NFL does? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's where we're going, and we're going to get there probably sooner than we anticipated, but I think that's the direction. So if you're a fan of whatever, we'll use Utah and BYU, obviously, as the lead examples, since those are our listeners' schools, that you got to find a way to make sure you're in in whichever manner you can be in. And is it going to be like uh, some of these programs like uh, in the, uh, I think in the 90s or the 2000s, my favorite band, the Eagles, they basically said, hey, for Henley and Fry, we're the ones driving this, so we're going to get more than you get. And so the one guy sued and all that stuff, and he was kicked out of the band. The other two guys decided to stay, but they don't get as much money. Would there be something along those lines to where, all right, well, I'm Alabama, but I need to play somebody, (laughs) but I'm not going to necessarily share everything. You know, for years and years, BYU carried the whack. And they were getting the same as much same TV money as Wyoming. And we know Boise State uh, cut some individual deal here mm-hmm. when they renegotiated with the Mountain West. So what my guess is, is going to be something along those lines, too. Even within the halves, there's going to be differences in that way. I mean, we're, we're kind of already seeing it. You know, when Nick Saban comes out and says a quarterback who's never started a game has already earned a million dollars through the NIL. Well, 
there's hardly anybody else who can do that. What he was saying is come one, come all. If you're a big time football player, that, I mean, that's the point of bringing that up is that he was recruiting as he was saying that, obviously. So I don't know that we're going to see an even division of money, even within the same division, so to speak. And it seems for a long time now that the magic number for college football and big-time programs has been in the mid-60s. That number has moved a little bit as leagues have reorganized. But I think to the point you brought up, it doesn't have to stay there. Everything's negotiable. And what if that number gets dropped down into the 40s or 50s? I mean, the NFL obviously has conquered the country with 32 teams. Right. And college football's got to be looking at those models. And, and again, the NFL, all the networks have to come to the NFL if they want pro football. So the leverage and the power is with them. And that's what I think continues to drive the consolidation that you say is going to keep happening. That's what's going to drive it. The more conferences there are, the more power the networks have. The fewer conferences there are, the more the power goes from whoever's buying the video rights, because I probably shouldn't say networks anymore. Whoever's yeah, yeah. buying the video rights, and is that going to be, you know, Amazon or Netflix or Google, whoever, but whoever's buying the rights, there's more power as they drop the number of rights holders. And it looks like with the Big 12, we're going from five to four. I mean, there are other deals out there, and they'll televise the Mountain West, and they'll televise the American, but the heavy hitters to get the overwhelming share of the money are those power five now, four leagues. So we're down from six to five, to four, and are we going to three? It seems like that's the way to bet in the long run. Two, one, blast off. And also, <laughs> and I know we got to go here, is you've been talking when you just said Ryan Abraham, you're talking about putting sports in other leagues or yes. another league. No, see, I don't think that that necessarily needs to happen because they can stay in that league. Like the WAC lost football, but they still had the WAC. So you still have the Pac-12 for the other sports. Right. But it's actually the football programs that leave. leave. The other sports stay, but the football programs leave. That makes a lot of sense logically, but emotional PK has to realize, man, those schools that get left behind when schools leave, are they still going to want to be in the league? Maybe they will be. Yeah, but see, but it wouldn't be emotion. like everybody everybody in the in the in the WAC or Mountain West, I should say, hated BYU when they did what they did, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, they understood TCU and they understood Utah. BYU is like, how dare you? We're never going to play you. We know all that story yeah. that was ten plus years ago. But when there's a bunch of them leave, and it's obvious to do that for the money, I think the feelings even though they may be frayed a little bit, it's more understandable because who do I hate? If I've got SC, Oregon, Washington, whomever uh, that leave, well, who do I hate more? You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas BYU did it by themselves, so they hated them uh, because of who they were. Right. So I think there's different. There's a potential of drastically different circumstances there. But if, uh, let's say, Oregon State, Washington State, and Arizona were left out, and whoever else, uh, who are they going to play? They want to maintain those associations, you know, assuming basketball doesn't get sucked up into that. I mean, they are going to want to. Uh, so right. Although maybe you're right. Maybe it's more about, hey, you just got to play. The, the tennis teams have to play more locally. This is crazy flying tennis teams from Seattle to Phoenix. What, what, what are we doing here? What, what, yeah, I've been what saying that for doing? years. Right. And at some point. Maybe as they sit down and scratch out numbers on the bottom line, somebody decides, hey, if you're in Oregon or Washington, we can find we can find six, eight, ten schools here and, and stay off airplanes so much. Right.
All right, DJ and PK, you know, that would mean less missed class time, too, because this is first and foremost an academic endeavor. Am I right? Am I right? That's what I heard. I've heard that like 30 years ago or 20 years ago, drummed into me every day from October to March. All right, there is PK, and we're going to have more from him at Pac-12 Media Day coming up later today. Stay with us. What is trending? All the headlines are next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. I think fans are frustrated with the situation. I think they it's kind of a pox on both houses, uh, us and Aaron. But uh, you know, I, f- I think we've we've been in constant communication. It's obviously months, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll have it all resolved. That is Mark Murphy, the Green Bay Packers president, talking about Aaron Rodgers' situation. Packers have reportedly made concessions to ensure that Aaron Rodgers will return to play this season. The 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, which is the last one in his current deal, will be voided. And no franchise tags will be allowed in the future. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. Rodgers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. And mechanisms will be put in place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. If the Packers sign off on all and the willingness to trade Rodgers and the agreement is finalized soon, that gives the MVP... The freedom to decide where he wants to play in 2022. So basically, adjust the deal. You play this year, and we'll get you out after that. And you'll know for free, for sure, you can walk in two years. And from the Packers situation, it may not sound good. Ah, they're losing Aaron Rodgers. But how long is he going to be elite? I mean, he's in his late 30s. Is he going to be elite at 40? Is he going to be elite at 42? How many years are they possibly losing? And somebody must think Jordan Love is an awesome quarterback because they traded up to get him. So if he's that awesome, play him. The best time to win a Super Bowl is when you have a young quarterback on his rookie contract and the money that usually goes to an elite quarterback can be spread across the rest of your roster. I give you the Kansas City Chiefs. I give you the Seattle Seahawks. Once Seattle had to pay their quarterback, then they're still good and they've been a playoff team, but and then back to the Super Bowl. But they got there twice while Russell Wilson was on his rookie contract. So play your rookie quarterback if he's that awesome. Even if he's not quite as awesome as your guy, well, your guy's probably gonna slip pretty soon. And you get to spend all that other money on the rest of the uh, the rest of the team. Ten women have now filed criminal complaints with Houston police about Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, according to Watson's attorney, Rusty, Rusty Harden. Eight of the women, according to Harden, are among the 22 who have alleged in lawsuits that Watson sexually assaulted them or engaged in sexually inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. Two of the women who have filed complaints with the Houston police have not filed lawsuits against Watson. Every situation is different. But I just can't help notice at the surface level that Major League Baseball has been putting players on leave, and Bauer with the Dodgers, and Watson, and there haven't been games to miss at this point, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him as these lawsuits progress and the season starts up.
DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Oh, the acting, the charades. This is like Shakespeare. We all know the stories. What's going to happen to Romeo and Juliet? I have no idea. Let's go see the play anyway. SEC presidents and chancellors have scheduled a meeting for Thursday in which they will discuss expansion and whether to add Texas and Oklahoma. Well, of course they're going to add Texas and Oklahoma. That should be a Zoom meeting in about two minutes. No one's getting on an airplane for that, are they? That is a waste of SEC resources. You can stay at a five-star hotel, why wouldn't you? There's no hotels as good as your own bed. I guess I haven't gone to the right five-star hotels. Maybe not. But Wait a minute, I haven't gone to any five-star hotels. I'm just saying. I need to go to a five-star hotel. Longhorns and Sooners could formally ask the SEC to consider them for membership as early as this week. Oh, it's a done deal. Stop with the charade. We know how this movie ends. At the end, I think the Grinch sings. I think that's how it works out. Oklahoma State President Casey Shrum said Monday the Oklahoma's intentions to explore leading the Big 12 are the results of months of planning with the SEC and a clear breach of the conference bylaws. In a statement, she called Oklahoma's actions strategic and deliberate. It's difficult to understand how an Oklahoma institution of higher education would follow the University of Texas. Those dogs. Those scoundrels. Those mutts. Those pathetic longhorns to the detriment of the state of Oklahoma. Trump took over as president on July 1. Well, I will say they definitely were strategic and deliberate. I think we can all agree with that. Just as strategic and deliberate, but not mentioned here. How about the SEC? Yeah, I really think we should uh, build a different mousetrap for this playoff. Let's let in like six at-large teams. And we'll see if we can get all six of those spots. All right, just four or five. We'll leave one or two for the little people. The NCAA has settled a defamation suit filed by former USC football assistant coach Todd McNair, who been accused of violating ethical conduct rules during its investigation, into whether former Trojan star Reggie Bush and his family received improper benefits while playing in college. Sides ended a more than 10-year legal battle. A little mediation helped shut that down. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. So, reading up on the draft, anonymous sources saying there will be more trades than ever. The picks are going to fly. There are going to be so many deals on draft night, your head is going to spin. And here comes the first one. The Pelicans are finalizing. Well, I guess it's not the first one because picks have already been traded. But here comes the first one of the week. How about that? The Pelicans are finalizing a trade to send Stephen Adams, guard Eric Bledsoe, and two future first-round picks, including the 10th overall pick in Thursday's NBA draft, to the Memphis Grizzlies in exchange for center Jonas Valanciunas and the 17th pick in this week's draft. Two teams would also exchange second-round picks in this draft, while the Pelicans are including the Lakers' 2022 first-round pick, which is top 10 protected, as they look to make significant financial flexibility ahead of free agency opening next week. Pelicans think they're getting somebody. Who are they spending their money on? Who wants to go to New Orleans? And Portally will have up to $36 million in cap space now. Man, that isn't somebody who's just going to pass the ball to Zion. $36 million in cap space. You're getting somebody who can put the ball in the bucket. Who wants to go to New Orleans? Bledsoe uh, is going to make $18 million this coming season. So... 
That'll help move things around a little bit. And uh, Steven Adams is pretty well compensated, too. So he's making $17 million. So that's $35 million in salary in the movie. Now, Valanciunas offsets some of that. I was going to say it offsets some of the. But funny enough, Memphis actually gets better with this deal, in my opinion, as well. Hence, they made the trade. Yep. Pelicans think they're getting somebody in free agency. It's really the, good. The Pelicans think they're upgrading. And you know, you can't talk to anybody until August. Okay, whatever. Now, they know they're getting somebody. Somebody's coming. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch. Light right, right center field, base piece win. Dice rifles one up the alley in right center field. It's an RBI single, and the Bees walk it off against Las Vegas. And the 0-1 pitch flared into right center field towards the gap. That ball is going to land. Base hit Kepler. Maeda's going to score standing, and the Twins walk it off 6-5. Maez hits a fly ball. Cubs are going to win the ball game. Deep center field. Cubs win. Cubs win, and the Cubs win a remarkable game by the score of 6-5. to five. Cutch swings, hits it in the air to right. It's deep. Soto looking up. He's looking up, and it is gone! Yes. The Phillies have won it. It's Andrew McCutcheon on opposite field. Walk-off homer! 6-5 the final as Cutch has won it! I've never really gotten into baseball. You just have to watch the ninth inning to really know what happened. The NBA, the last two minutes. Major League Baseball, the ninth inning. That was a lot of walk-offs. That was a ton of them right there. It was a limited schedule. There were a lot of teams that weren't playing yesterday. Cubs 6-5. Cubbies loading the bases in the ninth inning. And Javier Baez coming through. You heard the Phillies there. Andrew McCutcheon, three-run homer, lifted Philly in the ninth. The Seattle Mariners. I follow Ian Furness on Twitter. We have him on the show once in a while. It's going to be time to have Ian on again. Football camps are going to open. He always fills us in on Washington, Washington State. Used to do radio here in Salt Lake. He was a PD who put PK and I together. No matter what anybody else says. Talk about the Seahawks. He was a PD. Yeah, Seahawks. And I followed him on Twitter. He said he was uh, following that game. He was like, hey, this is getting good. Mariners come from seven runs down to beat the Houston Astros 11-8. to Dylan Moore, grand slam in the eighth inning for the Mariners. So, oh, you also heard Minnesota winning in the 10th over the Tigers there. So, a lot of late excitement. That was the Bees walking it off against the Aviators as well. Uh, what you didn't hear is Shohei Otani. Seven strong innings on the mound. Threw 99 pitches. His 99 pitch went 100 miles an hour. And then they pulled him from the game. And this is how baseball has changed over the decades. Nobody was going to get Bob Gibson when he was throwing 100 miles an hour after seven innings. Sandy Koufax wasn't coming out of that game. Angels' bullpen finishes it off. They beat the Rockies 6-2. No homers for Otani, though. Had a broken bat single, and he struck out a couple times. One for four. There is the Major League Baseball. Oh, the Red Sox, to give them another shout-out. Not the dramatic five runs in the eighth that they had to beat the Yankees 5-4, but they beat the Blue Jays 5-4 with two in the eighth. This time, the Red Sox blew 2-0 in 3-2 leads. But Alex Verdugo hits a two-run homer in the eighth, and the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays 5-4. We don't have Olympics in here, but uh, I just saw on the, uh, on the web here that uh, Simone Biles, some type of health issues, is pulled out of gymnastics. She had a tumble doing vault. Look like she may have injured her leg or foot, but then the USA Gymnastics Committee said it was a mental issue that caused her to withdraw from the team event. Russia ended up winning gold. 
What is Trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up today, a little shorter show than usual because at 9 o'clock we're going live to Los Angeles, doing away with your regularly scheduled program to bring you non-stop Pac-12 Media Day coverage live from L.A. Jake Scott flew down last night. Patrick Kinahan is already there, availing himself of some sand, some surf, some sun. But they're putting all that aside today. Some baseball. Some baseball, yeah. Putting all that aside today for the Pac-12 Media Day that will start at 9 o'clock, and I assume it'll go till 4 or 5. Interviews with coaches, interviews with players, everything you want all day long. And inevitably, you're going to miss some of it because you can't stop your life for eight hours. How? Well, many of you can't. A couple of you probably are. But anything you miss, you know, you're rooting for uh, one of the out-of-town schools because you're from Arizona, California, wherever. Well, I guess that leaves Oregon and Washington and Colorado, doesn't it? Uh, but everything's available at 1280thezone.com. So if there's a, a coach or player or team you specifically want to hear from or you just want to enjoy all eight glorious hours, it'll all be up at 1280thezone.com and wherever you get podcasts, like everything else that is locally produced on this station. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for the Stadium Network, will join us coming up at 8.30 this morning. Talk about all the realignment and the charades that the Longhorns, the Sooners, and the SEC are going to be going through. They're going to have a meeting Thursday. And they're going to discuss expansion. All right. DJ and PK, that's all coming up. Question of the day is on the way. That is next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean, plus a fourth room free. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today by calling them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. The question of the day, Pac-12 Media Day, the Pac-12 preseason football poll will come out today. Where should the youths be picked? Brent believes second in the South. Austin says second or third. Kevin congratulates us on a good question. Thank you, Kevin. I can sense your sarcasm. At least I think I can. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Craig and Nick with both of the very specific answer, third in the South and fourth overall. I think they're going to be two. New quarterback, new running backs transferring in, couple receivers transferring out. Okay, tight end, there's confidence. 
But beyond tight end, there's a lot of question marks about the youths, the skill positions, and how this is all going to fit together. The strength of their defense, the strength of the program in past years, the continuity in the coaching staff, I think they're going to be picked second. USC's got their quarterback back. USC's been recruiting better. USC brings in impact freshmen. USC's going to default to the top spot. And I think Utah will be second. ASU third, and the votes and the numbers will probably be close because there will be a lot of people who put ASU second. But for some people, it probably depends on when they actually did the ballot and turned it in. But with the news breaking that Arizona State, tight end coaches on administrative leave, there's plenty of speculation about other coaches. And you know, you start losing your coordinators or head coach if anything happens midseason. Just how unsure everything can be. I think people are just going to default to ASU at third. Have they got the talent to win it all? Yes. I always say that this one, two, three, four, five, six, it just feels arbitrary and neat. And then you look at the standings at the end of the year, and they are never neat. There are people tied. There are three or four teams separated by one game. So lots of stuff can happen here. I think the break is either after three or four. Is UCLA going to go with the bottom of the league? There's no expectations for Arizona. They're going to be pick sixth. Whatever they do, there's no expectations for. Start slow, rebuild. You get what you get. Colorado's going to be five and UCLA's going to be four. I have read some things that there are people who think Chip Kelly finally has his guys. He built the roster he wants. And they're going to deliver. Now, there are plenty of people thinking Chip's never going to get it going. The college football has changed since he dominated Oregon. He doesn't have some of the <clears throat> advantages that he had at Oregon. Recruiting. People doing the dirty work. But he also doesn't have the schematic advantages. The stuff he was doing that was cutting edge then isn't cutting edge anymore. So there's a lot of... Uh, There's a lot of debate about how good they will or won't be. But they've got guys who've been in the program now for a while. So, last year was a weird year, but UCLA went 3-4. And And now to go at least 2-1 this year. Uh, They're playing LSU, so, okay. But Hawaii and Fresno go 2-1 in the non-conference, jump into the league, they ought to get the bull eligibility, so pick them fourth. If you're a Ute fan and you're Matt Murback, who just tweeted at us, they're going to be picked first in the South. It's possible. I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much uh, separation between USC, Arizona State, and Utah right now. They all have questions. Now, when we get to the end of the year, somebody can win the division by two or three games. Injuries matter. Things start falling apart early. Teams can fall. We've seen that. One or two big losses are in the year. Seasons can, uh, can unravel. But as they sit here right now, it doesn't seem obvious that that's going to happen. It may well play out that way, but it doesn't seem obvious. So ASU, Utah, USC, you're thinking, yes, we've got our team. We're going to win the division. This is our year. Yeah, you can believe going in. Absolutely. I don't think they're going to be picked there. 
It was USC playing in the conference title game, and they got their they got their quarterback back. It's going to be USC again. Sun Devil and you fans can just hope that that coaching staff stumbles all over itself. USC fans are so bitter with that coaching staff right now. Even one loss. They're going to spend the first half of the season waiting for one loss. They will not get their hopes up unless they get halfway through the season undefeated. It's just... They, they want to change. They, at USC, they want their glamour. And they don't think Clay Helton's going to get it done. They got a schedule to get it done. They're going to be favored out of the gate against San Jose State, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. Should be 4-0 going to Colorado. Which means they got to be 5-0 when they come to Utah. Excuse me. When Utah goes to USC, it's down there in L.A. this year. October 9th. I know, last year just doesn't register. I and I get why they're doing it. Just stay with the alternate every year, and you win some, you lose some, and blah, blah, blah. 2020 was just so I know, but I forgot they were here. It's yeah. like, you're used to that. Remember that night at USC, and it was packed, and it was crazy, and it was... No, it wasn't any of those things. It was weird. It was just weird. But the Utes get them two weeks before they go to Notre Dame. Conference gave them a bye week for Notre Dame. Is the conference scheduling differently this year? I like it. Said that set the t- set some teams up to have some success and make a national impact. Stop making teams play on the road on Saturday and on the road on Friday. Just make stuff a little harder. What are you doing? Give them a bye before Notre Dame. Get them healthy, get them geared up for the trip back there. Notre Dame's turned into a, a second tier. The top tier is Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. The next tier is Notre Dame. Oklahoma, Georgia. Teams that go to the playoffs and lose in the semifinals. But Notre Dame's a top 10 program now. Not quite the elite speed, but everything else. So set USC up. Pac-12 is the best third tier. Captain Cody tweets at us, Utah should be picked last. Captain Cody, you're just being mean. It says St. George on his handle here, so I'm going to give everyone in southern Utah a pass. That looked like a brutal day yesterday. There was a lot of rain. There was a lot of flooding. Captain Cody, I'm just thinking you're in a bad mood. You're not being picked last behind Arizona. Had a horrific coaching hire. Everything went south. They lost to the rivals 70-7. to They didn't win a game last year. They got a new coach. Arizona's getting picked last. Come on, Captain Cody. You're just trying to just trying to hurt people's feelings. The artist formerly known as Dance Dad says I'd pick the youth second in the South, but if they're third, it wouldn't surprise me. ASU could be great or could be a dumpster fire. SC should be really good with halfway competent coaching. <laughs> Clay Hilton. Yeah, congratulations. You went 15-0, and but you're a mess and you're just carried by your players. I don't think Clay Helton can win. I mean, congrats on the national championship, but it just means we're stuck with you for a couple more years. We've had Ryan Abraham on, and he's kind of indicated that's what the fan base's mentality is. Yes. At 15-0, I think the SUSC fans could get over themselves. But at 13-0, they'll just be complaining about a probable semifinal blowout. The truth is nobody, not nobody, almost nobody, Goes undefeated in the Pac-12. PK's quoted the numbers across the decades. 
different coaches, different ADs, different quarterbacks, different Heisman Trophy winners, different schools, different eras, different roles, different postseasons. And the constant is, it's almost impossible to go undefeated through the Pac-12. So they're going to lose a, fi- uh, lose a game. And when you have that kind of doubt built in, everyone goes nuts because you lose one game. The first half of the season stacks up nicely for USC. They do have to play three road games in four weeks. At Notre Dame, home to Arizona, at ASU, at Cal. Now, you don't think they should lose those games, but PK's famous for saying there's always a head-scratcher. College kids don't usually travel that well. They got the bye to get ready for Notre Dame, which is great, but then three road games in four weeks. Back-to-back at ASU and Cal. Cal, they've been softened up for you. If you don't get it done, it's a you problem. For Ute fans, it feels like the Pac-12 South will be decided in mid-October. We got the run-up here to the season. Weber State at home at BYU. San Diego State in a neutral field in Carson, California, up in L.A. Probably will be more at least as many, if not more, Utah fans and San Diego State fans. San Diego State's built a new stadium, so they're playing up there for two years. And last year, there was nobody at game. So we'll see how many people they can get to travel up there, how many people they can bus up there, how many alums in the area will drift over towards the stadium. Then it's into league play with Washington State at home. So Utah, 4 0. USC 5-0 because the Utes have a bye before their trip to USC. The Utes will be favored in each of those first four games. There's no reason the Utes shouldn't be 4-0. And then it's at USC, home to ASU, and at that point, we ought to have a pretty good idea. If the Utes get through that, then the preseason poll that comes out later today that I think will have them at number two, well, they'll, they'll be the lead dog. If they get through that, 6-0, and having beat the top two teams in the South. Breaking news. You got it? It's out. It always comes out early. And they are still an hour and a half in front of the start of me today. Because PK and Jake will ramp it up right from the get-go. That's you know, obviously an hour time difference. So they take over at 9 a.m. here on The Zone and go through the rest of our show and through Scotty and Hans' show. And then I think Scott will be doing the wrapping it up late in the day with... Uh, with Gordon, with Jake gone. Correct. So, All right. USC. Let's unveil it. Start in the north. I'm going to say they picked Oregon number one. Correct. Oregon number one. So 30, then, 38 first place votes. And then Washington place. number two. Washington number two with two first place votes. See, it seems like that shouldn't be 38 to two. It seems like that. That's pretty clear cut. Oregon, 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 Oregon. Now, Oregon's recruiting classes. My gosh. They have just been flooded. But I, I also think that the whole recruiting rankings, everyone's going to be five years behind the curve on this. They're going to catch up. But transfers change everything. The guys leaving early for the NFL change everything. All right, Oregon 38-2. to Third place, this gets a little dicey here. Historically, it's been Stanford, but Stanford has this been down. A little, little bit of a surprise. I'm gonna, oh, it is. So I shouldn't go Stanford. You shouldn't give me the hint. Should I go Cal then? Cal. All Correct. right. 
the Golden Bears, number three. Stanford. You know, I think people are looking at that defense, and if they, no, I won't, I'll stop. And that's <laughs> so Stanford comes in number four, of course, and then Wazoo five and Oregon State six. Flip those Oregon oh! State five, Washington. So it's like State three six. groups of two. Sure. And I got the first two right, although I thought it would be way closer than that. And then I flipped three and four wrong, and five and six wrong. I mean, you gave me the hint, but let's be honest, I would have gotten that wrong. Now for the fun one. In the South, USC is the top dog. Am I right? Pac-12, this is it. Pac-12 media poll is out, people. Correct. South Division, USC, 27 first place votes, 223 Whoa. points overall. Really? Mm-hmm. And Utah second? Utah second, six first place votes, 183 points. Number three? ASU. With also six first place votes, becoming with 170 points. Yeah, it was close. So close, yeah. I thought it would be. Now, here's an interesting one. Who do you think is number four? I think it's UCLA. Is it going to be Colorado off their success last year? Because I think it should be UCLA. You got it. UCLA, the Bruins, they actually got a first place vote in all of this. Ah, one Bruin fan with a ballot making a statement. Apparently so. And then bringing up the Colorado rear. five. Nobody there. believes in Colorado. Nobody believes in Carl Durrell. And number six. I guarded Carl Durrell once. <laughs> Arizona coming up, coming up in the rear. Yeah, that, I mean, Arizona 6 was the easiest pick of the whole thing. Good luck, Wildcats. You're going to need it. Cool to have no expectations. And there it is. We also have the all-Pac-12 conference uh, preseason teams that are out as well. But Who my, are the youths who are honored? On the first team offense, you have got Nick Ford as offensive lineman. Pretty clear-cut choice there. Second team, Britton Covey was picked as a wide receiver, as well as Sataoa Laumea from the offensive line. Defensively, you have Mika Tafua, defensive lineman, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, both first team selections. And on the second team, nobody for Utah. So, oh, yeah, nobody, huh? Well, Nick Ford, Britton Covey, wouldn't be surprised if you hear a lot from them this year. Let's see how that plays out this fall. Wouldn't be surprised if you hear a lot from them this year. Just leave that out there. All right, you can hit us up with your predictions where you think the Utes uh, should be, whether you agree with that or not. Uh, there are a couple other things to pass along here. And let me, uh, hold on. I'm going to retweet that for you. So if you want to, if you want to ponder those preseason polls, you fans, I just, uh, retweeted it. So go crazy You can sit there and stare at that. It's uh, now it's all over Twitter. So Dan Wetzel, uh, one of the national college football guys did a, uh, did a podcast and, for all of you wondering what is going to happen with conference realignment and uh, where this is going, he says the Big Ten has little to no appetite for expansion. What is the Big Ten going to do to answer the SEC's move? Does the Big Ten get aggressive and go out there? The problem is that incrementally... There is not much to be done. Everybody's falling behind the SEC. 
And the moves you make can make the conference bigger, but are they going to bring in more money? Are they going to help you catch the SEC? When the SEC's at in Oklahoma and Texas, there are no brand names like that. They're just going to pull away. They're going to have more money. They're going to pay off coaches who lose and hire away your coach who's either winning or might possibly win. I don't know if Mel Tucker proved anything at Colorado, but he might possibly win, so Michigan State hired him away. The Big Ten can pack, can poach Pac-12 coaches. They've got the money, and that ought to stress out Pac-12 fans. It doesn't, though, because Pac-12 fans aren't that hardcore. So it stresses out a few of the hardcores. But a lot of people are, uh, uh, that wasn't good. Oh, well. The worst-case scenario for Ute fans is that the and there are media members throwing this out there, that the Big Ten ought to poach the top of the Pac-12. And not the top of the standings, but the biggest markets, the biggest brand names. USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Or take six teams and take Stanford and Cal. All research institutions, all huge TV markets. Not necessarily the biggest fan bases. Looking at you, Stanford. But a lot of prestige with the name. Former Western Division and go nuts. Dan Witzel says, and I think this is the way to go, that that's not going to happen. You end up with a far-flung league. Are you really one league? Are you setting yourselves to break up down the road? What about, and talked to somebody yesterday who thought this was the way to go, what about a scheduling agreement? And Wetzel says that that's already being discussed. Reviving the schedule agreement with the Pac-12, set up a bunch of games, enhance your TV contract, give the network something that will make them more money. We're so used to looking in one area. And it's like, I think it's like a mine. Like this, this, this line of gold or silver, or this has been played out, we're done, as far as adding a bigger market. There are other ways to make your TV contract more valuable, to bring in more money. One of them is play better games. The SEC toyed with it last year, and we all loved it. They played 10 conference games. It was a one-off. It was a pandemic. They didn't want their teams traveling all over the country. Wait, SEC teams never travel all over the country. That's hilarious. They want to control testing, make sure everything is like-minded, yada, yada. And they had to provide TV networks with good games. And they weren't sure other leagues were playing or when they were playing. So the easiest thing to do was to just provide them with good SEC games and play a 10-game schedule and get your payday. And they did it. And they got paid. Create more good games. If you're going to get to the playoff, you probably need to go to eight-game conference schedules. And that sucks. But the Pac-12, by requiring teams to play two Power 5 games, preferably against the Big Ten, can really enhance their TV deal. More good games. There are schools that aren't coming close to that. Arizona doesn't come close to that. 
ASU and Utah, eh, kind of flirt with it. ASU's had some big games. ASU scheduled Notre Dame. Other schedules haven't been as tough. You know, Utah plays BYU, so if BYU is good, then that game looks good on TV. If BYU isn't good, then who did the Utes play? You know, BYU had their 3-9 their, their and nine season. If BYU's got a 3-4 or four win team and they bottom out, the Utes' schedule is super soft. And they're already playing inside their own market. I mean, you might go play someone from the Big Ten who might have a down year. Well, BYU did it, right? They went and played Michigan State, and Michigan State was 3-9. and nine. But you play them early in the year, nobody knows it's a down year yet. And you're delivering huge TV markets. And you make the Pac-12 TV contract more valuable, you're putting big, big den teams in, that, uh, in the later slots. Spreading them out all day long. So from what Wetzel is saying, it's already going this way. I think there are people who want it to go that way in the Pac-12. I was told there was a little fear. What happened in the Pac-12, or excuse me, what happened in the Big 12 can happen in other leagues. It happened to the Big East. It happened to the Big 12. The Pac-12 could get raided. Geography is a bit of an impediment. But it could be overcome. So get aggressive with the other stuff and keep the 12 together. And this is where it drives people nuts at times. You know, it's first and foremost an academic endeavor, and these are all research institutions, and we're like-minded, and we'll stay. So to a degree, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 can look at this SEC expansion, and they can say, well, we're not like the SEC. We do things differently, and take pride in it. From the campus leadership to the faculty to the athletic department, everybody can get on that page. Now, it may frustrate the fans who want this to turn into something semi-professional, which I think we're already pretty well on the way to something semi-professional. They're just not hitting the gas as fast as the SEC. There was a time when it was outrageous the SEC was paying coaches 3 and $4 million. Well, now the Pac-12 is paying coaches 3 and $4 million. But the SEC is paying coaches 6 seven, eight, nine. Is Nick getting to 10 If he isn't, he will. So don't pretend like you're all that different than the SEC. You just up the track a little bit from the SEC. They're the lead dog. And if you're not the lead dog, then the view never changes. I'll let you play out that analogy, that metaphor, that simile, whatever it is, on your own. But view the Iditarod, people. If you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. And the SEC is the lead dog. But this is where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 can say, we do things different. We're going to do the scheduling agreement, and we're going to have 10 rock-solid games. And the Pac-12, which not as many people live in this part of the country, we are going to play mostly Big Ten, not everybody, mostly Big Ten teams. Utah's got their games with Florida and Arkansas already set, and they'll play those. And obviously, USC and Stanford want to keep playing Notre Dame. But there'll be a lot of games all across the Big Ten with the Pac-12. That needs to be the deal cut going forward. And then you need to make the TV networks bid on it so you get every last dollar out of it. Say, this is what we're going to provide. What's it worth to you? And you got competition now. And that should help the Pac-12. CBS, Fox, and then an ABC-ESPN combo, you got three bidders. And... We'll get to this next. The craziest thing I was told yesterday, well, I don't know if it's crazy. It was the most outside-the-box thing that I hadn't really considered 
Um, I was told this is what the Pac-12 should do. And they should do it because they have to be aggressive in every way possible that keeps the league together. Because for the teams that are going to be left behind, and nobody's sure who that is, because they don't know if four, six, eight, how would this work out? There are all kinds of things thrown out. You start brainstorming, and there are no bad ideas. Tell me what you hear when you hear a lot of ideas. And I'll tell you some of the ideas I've, I've heard and the reaction to some of them, and we'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. No, why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So, yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK reminding you the top 1660 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. So if you missed it earlier in the show, we were talking about the charade, the little, uh, the little elementary school play that the uh, SEC has going. They're going to have a meeting Thursday. And they're going to discuss expansion and whether to add Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, good grief. Just go ahead and add them. You, can do, you don't even need Zoom for that. You can do that over a phone call. It's done. You've been negotiating it for months. No wonder the SEC was on board with a 12-team playoff. They're planning on getting at least four, if not five, six, or seven teams into that. I get why you want to add Texas and Oklahoma. They have a lot of fans. They have brand names that are powerful. But the bigger this, these leagues get, the more they're just adding bad teams. Now Oklahoma's been a semifinalist, so they're not a bad team. Texas has been mediocre, underachieved by their standards. They're not just bad, they've been awful. But of the bigger leagues, every time you add a couple more teams, you know what you do when you go from 14 to 16? You recreate two eighth-place teams. You push teams down more. There's only going to be two first-place teams, only going to be two second-place teams. I think there's diminishing returns as you keep expanding. And Dan Wetzel, on his podcast, he writes for Yahoo, and has access to conference commissioners and powerful ADs and all that, and he says, hearing little to no interest in expansion from Big Ten sources. No need to make a move. There is talk of a scheduling agreement with the Pac-12, a rotation of non-con games. No, Ohio State and Michigan aren't leaving. Well, if you root for Utah, or quite frankly, any of the teams in the Pac-12 that are right on the Pacific Coast, 
you got to be happy about that. The last thing you need is the Big 12 thing in, excuse me, the Big 10. Man, this is complicated. I'll be happy when the Big 12 is less of an issue. I'll do this less. The last thing you need is the Big 10 thing, and we got to become a mega conference. we got to merge the Big 10 and the, and the Pac-12. And there are plenty of voices out there saying, get USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Maybe take Stanford and Cal. That's outside-the-box thinking. But there's still only going to be one Big Ten champion, and someone, someone is going to have to finish 15th, 16th, 17th. And I don't see the value in that. But what do I know? All these teams, all these conferences keep adding teams. We've gone from 18 leagues to 9 to 10 to 12, and now we're going to 14 and 16. And if Notre Dame wants to join the ACC, will add them. If Notre Dame wants to join the Big Ten, will add them. And I was told the Big Ten should definitely make a push and figure out how to get to Notre Dame. They have to. That's If they're going to move the needle, you can't just add Kansas and Iowa State and think you're moving the needle and catching the SEC. It's not how it works. So for the Pac-12, to create more value, go to eight conference games, play two big non-conference games, play a steady diet of the Big Ten. When Chris Hill was AD at the University of Utah, they had the home-and-home with Michigan and didn't play BYU. And it was a big deal that they didn't play BYU. And it was just two years, and one year they ended up playing in the Las Vegas Bowl. So really, it was only one year they didn't play. But the other half of the equation was they got to play Michigan. That was the tip of the iceberg as the schools and the conferences discussed a scheduling agreement. And people were thrilled to see Michigan come in here. The stadium was packed, people were going nuts, and the youths really loved it because they won. And then they went back there and won the next year. So they loved it. Now, not everybody gets to play the brand name Michigan, but not everybody wants to. You need more games that have a lot of eyeballs on them. And there are more eyeballs in that part of the country than in this part of the country. So play those teams. And if you have to go to eight league games, you probably ought to go to eight league games for the playoff anyway. And your TV deal will be worth more. And the boldest thing I was told yesterday was, get your lawyers and examine the possibility of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 creating this scheduling agreement. And everybody isn't going to play two games, even with an eight-game conference schedule, because Notre Dame and Stanford, excuse me, uh, Notre Dame and Stanford are going to play, Notre Dame and USC are going to play. And the Utes have their Florida series, and I want to give that up. And some other schools have other series, too. But you could do 14, 16, maybe 18 games a year with the Big Ten. And because of that, it could be the, and man, we're, I'm getting way over my skis here because I had zero plans to go to law school. I didn't, I wasn't pre-law, I didn't go anywhere near any of that stuff. But I've been told that with that scheduling agreement in place, you could put the conference bids out together as kind of a consortium, conglomerate. And that you wouldn't get hit, and trust me, I can't verify this. If you're a lawyer, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. But that they could then put it out and put it out to bid as one conference, even though they're not. They wouldn't have to worry about antitrust because they don't have a monopoly. They still aren't the biggest kid on the block. (laughs) You got the SEC and the ACC to kind of shield you from those charges. And that that would make you more valuable. 
all the networks would have to come for you then. And they would have to bring their wallets. Bring the checkbook. Bring that gold card. Now that is bold. I had not heard that before, and I don't know if that would stand up to a legal challenge or not. But man, when I heard that, I thought, that's different. You can't keep playing the same game. We're going to add these two schools, and they're going to bring a lot more value. Colorado and Utah brought value, but not a lot more value. They brought a little more value. Oklahoma and Texas will probably bring a lot more value. It's worth having eighth-place teams. You're going to have the two big dogs in Texas. The whole SEC is thinking, we are going to recruit Texas. We're already doing pretty well there. We're going to do awesome there now. we got Texas and Texas A&M. So I get why they're doing that. But there's nobody else to do that. I've heard all, the, all kinds of speculation. The only, move, the only team the Big Ten can add that really moves the needle is Notre Dame. I've heard the speculation they'll raid the ACC again. They went and got Maryland. And then they'll go and get North Carolina and keep going down the coast. What do North Carolina and Nebraska have in common? Do they really need to be in the same league? And if there's a little bit of fear in the Pac-12, I get it. If you're Oregon State or Washington State or Arizona, if there's some kind of merger or plucking of teams from the Pac-12, you're not going to be included. You're going to be left behind for sure. And I've heard plenty of stuff thrown out there. Just people are just randomly brainstorming. None of this stuff may have legs. But Oklahoma and Texas has panicked everybody in college football. So everybody's brainstorming. Now, it's an idea that won't happen. Might not even ever come anywhere near happening. But when you're brainstorming, there are no bad ideas. So, well, you could have two A-team divisions. You could have two 10-team divisions. The best of the Big Ten and the best of the Pac-12 leave and do their own thing. Or 12 in Big Ten country and 8 in Pac-12. You know, you can come up with all kinds of permutations because you're just writing on the back of a napkin, scribbling things out. But that ought to freak people out because you, you know who's left out for sure. And if they're only taking six teams, then uh-oh, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State. Everybody can look around like, well, I, I mean, we might be okay, but we might not be okay. I think this other stuff, I think you got to go in another direction here. And this other stuff, there isn't all the collateral damage, right? You're not breaking up all these long-term partnerships and revealing yourself to be the money, the money-grubbing capitalist that you are. Far easier to do the scheduling agreement, do the consortium, and put your conference TV bid out together. Now, that's going to require some teams to upgrade their conferences. Some of these youth schedules are going to look harder, but some of these youth schedules already look harder going forward. Arizona's going to have to upgrade their schedule, and Oregon State or whatever. Well, you're going to have to do it. And some of you are already doing it. Stanford's already been scheduling Northwestern. Oregon and Washington have already been scheduling Michigan and Ohio State. So you're doing it, and you're not getting the full value for it. Really capitalize on it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network, joins us at 8.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join hands at Scotty G Friday at The Warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Oh, Yak, were you going to fill in there for PK and, and, and do a boom? 
I'll well, give you I was, one more shot. And then we had a good friend of ours decide to reconnect. So, well, I did it because I didn't think he was connected. Well, he just he's back, baby. Bring him on, PK. Yeah, I'm connected. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, boom. There, there we go. That's better. That's better. Yeah, it told me you were connected, but then it dropped and you weren't connected. Now you are oh, connected. I can't keep just, up. Just change the power strip for a second. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, we're good. All right, so PK, you're at the Pac-12 Media Day, and the poll yeah. is out, and it is really not surprising at all. You might have missed no. a couple teams by one spot, and that's I it. I didn't. You got well, them all the 12? You had 12 I, for 12? Uh, no, uh, in the South. Let me, let me correct that. In the I was South, 6 for 6 in the South, yes. Yeah, yeah. I figured with the uh, ASU pro uh, investigation, yep. that would knock them down. If yep. you had any doubt, it was either some people were going to go 2, some people were going to go 3. So I think with the investigation, there's a, lo- there's a line of thinking that that's going to derail the season to a degree. So it's easy then to slide them in at sec- or 3rd and put the Utes at 2nd and then SC at first. So that was the only issue. Now there's also a line of thinking, oh, a lot of these guys came back for this season and they could have gone to the NFL. So that's actually going to, us against the world, unify them. And they'll have that opportunity uh, to prove it out on the field, whether it does derail them or no, it unifies them, remains to be seen. But they can get that done. It's up to them to see how they do. So, you know, the polls are just what they are. They're just for fun anyway. But the thing that surprised me is there wasn't a lot of love for the Utes on the preseason teams uh, because for a team pitching – Finishing second, you would have thought that you would have more yes. uh, representation. Yes, specific guys I thought got undersold. I would agree with that, yeah. Brant Keithy, honorable mention, that surprises me. I thought he, I didn't know if he'd be first team. Um, I haven't done the deep dive on the whole conference like you have. But that, and then Clark uh, Phillips, uh, the third, is, uh, is honorable mention. I thought he would be higher, but... Clark yeah, on Phillips the other hand, the third is that CP three? On the other hand, yeah, right. On the other <laughs> hand, what does it really matter? It's a conference preseason team. Why am I even reading this? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's for fun. You could see where running backs, you know, they don't have anybody who's done anything for the Utes, so they wouldn't get any love there. Yeah, and uh, quarterback, obviously, Brewers a question mark. I don't even know if he win the job. Uh, Cam Rising, if he's healthy, and Kyle says he is, we'll have Kyle on today. Obviously, and we'll be on all day. Uh, we're not going to quit until uh, I'm looking at the schedule. We finish up at uh, 5:39 with Ooh. Devin Lloyd. Oh, that's even yeah. later than I thought. I I knew you'd go till four, and I thought you'd go till five. I didn't know you'd go till to no, stay on they, track. You'll be you'll be signing off about 5:45. <laughs> correct. They did. Uh, they've they've got it much more organized this year, and the schedule is we're up on the 12th floor, of the W Hotel. Looking out to the east, and of course it's all foggy right now. Uh, Pantages Theater right across the street, famous theater for plays and all that, concerts and whatnot. Uh, across the street, give people Hollywood and Vine as uh, where we're located here. This is a new location. We'd been at that uh, outdoor mall the last several years. They didn't have it last year, obviously. But uh, just a W Hotel for those people who have an idea of uh, the L.A. area. It's a massive place. But this year they've got everything all set up. I mean, they've got specifically time set for everyone. We get to Commissioner 2 at, uh, let's see, that would be 3.15 uh, Utah time. The Commissioner's coming on. 
And so obviously, Mr. Klaukikoff, however you say his name, is going to have a lot to say because this is crazy. His first month on the job. Wow. It's just uh, all sorts of stuff running around that you've been discussing already this morning and you'll discuss here at the bottom of the hour with Brett McMurphy coming up. So I would have thought that the Utes would have got a little more representation, uh, but they didn't. And that's just enormous respect for Kyle Whittingham that they just don't have that many guys. I mean, Devin Lloyd obviously made it. Uh, you can argue he's the best linebacker in the conference, one of the best in the country. So certainly he was going to be a no-brainer. Uh, Britton Covey making second team. A lot of respect for that kid. Hopefully he finds a way to keep himself healthy. And then Jaden Redding, place kicking. And uh, uh, Covey making it as a receiver and then as a return specialist. So exciting with him on the punts. So with uh, Redding, do you think they just picked the youth kicker because it's a youth kicker? I don't know how good he is, but he's a youth <laughs> kicker. Kyle seems to be getting it right. Redding's probably a stud. He'll probably kick in the NFL for 20 years. Check the box. Well, I'm not sure about that because I don't study the kickers. That's what, and neither does anybody else. That's why they <laughs> default to the youths. They're like, yeah, yeah Kyle picked him. He's probably awesome. I mean, I did extensive research on every single team as recently as last night, just going over it one more time. Okay, so So, uh, you do my homework for me. This is the best kind of group project, and I love this. So because we talk about the Pac-12 a lot, and we mm -hmm. talk about it during commercial breaks when we're not on the air, you've told me a lot of stuff. Obviously, I watched the game, so I know a lot of stuff from that. But what's like... If you kept doing this, you had to be finding stuff that you found interesting. So tell me one thing that even somebody, and we got season ticket holders who are way into this listening right now. I'm into this, but you've spent more time on it than any of us. So what's one thing you learned that you found interesting? Uh, and going over my research that uh, so many transfers, and I'm wondering actually if I'm up to date. Did somebody transfer <laughs> right. in the last three or four days, either in or out? Yes. Uh, you know, I don't because you you, you can't stay on track. top of it. It changes yeah. so fast. Now, the one thing, like this is uh, as far as the quarterback from Boise State who transferred Finnegan into BYU. Uh, if you didn't transfer, as I understand it, if you didn't transfer by July 1st, you're supposed to be ineligible this year. Yeah. So Finnegan is, is going to redshirt for the Cougars this year. And I think the reason why they took well, I know the reason why they took him is they felt that there was no high school quarterback better than him because you start thinking that, well, why do they need so many quarterbacks? Well, they figure because he's better than anybody they can get. So go ahead and take him. The Portland guys are next to us, and they're freaking too loud. I need to tell them to shut up. I don't know if you can hear them in the background. Just barely. Very vague. Uh, very okay. vague. I know there's people, uh, but I can't make anything out. Uh, there, there is such shuffling going on. For instance, Colorado – you know, they had last year. It's such a weird season to be judging by anything. Uh, and uh, Neuer, the quarterback, he takes off to go to Oregon State. Now, he's from the Oregon area. Uh, that's his home state. So he goes back after being second-team all-conference. But then they got a Tennessee kid uh, coming in, Trout. Uh, what are they going to do there? There's just all sorts of stuff with these transfers. And Utah's right at the top of the list, right, with two running backs and a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And Howard, the receiver, you think of Kyle being so stable in his program, which he has been. You know, a lot of players don't leave. They stay. Even when two years ago, when a whole bunch of them could have gone to the NFL, they went ahead and stayed, right? Well, he's had some kids come out. Brian Thompson obviously leaving and, and Samson Nakua leaving. But then he br 
brings in guys that really have an opportunity to be difference makers. So the thing that's I would be normally excited anyway, but the thing that's got me even more excited about this season is the unknown with all these transfers in this program. SC running back Stephen Carr gone to Indiana. Now they don't feature the running backs as much as they used to, obviously with Harold there and the passing that they do running. He's a disciple of Leach and so played for him down there in Texas Tech. So what does that mean as far as what's going to happen? Because you have to, there's times you simply have to run the ball. The situation dictates it. And can you do that? What's it going to be? SC to think that I got question marks at running back. You know, when we grew up, no. That was the one position that you never you never had questions question. about the offensive line or the running backs. When we were kids, the question about the USC running back, is he going to finish first in the Heisman Trophy voting or is he going to finish second? That was a question. Yeah, yeah. But now, so, now we got an offensive coordinator who Urban Meyer famously, if so the story goes, gets down in the face of a tight end during a workout at the U his first spring. We don't even have tight ends. Just intimidating everybody, setting the tone and all that. USC right now, we don't even need running backs. I mean, they're four and five wide, throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, you need a running back to run some trap draw to keep people honest like Lavelle did in the 80s, but they're not really living and dying with those guys right now. No, no, not at all. I mean, they only played, I think they played six games, but their leading rusher, who is back, uh, Malapiei, I think is how you pronounce his name, and he ran for 234 yards in six games. I mean, that's crazy. And their number two, and which is Carr, the number three guy, uh, Step, he went off to Nebraska. So they got that going on there. And how's that going to work? Now they did get a, a transfer in from Texas. Uh, Ingram and see what he can do at running back. So there's there's more mystery than ever, and we don't really have a frame of reference. At least in my mind, we don't because I'm not putting a lot of stock widespread last year of what I can count on based on what I see. Now, Keaton Slovis, okay, I didn't really need to see him last season to realize he's really good. So there are some things that I do know. It's not like everything is a mystery from start to finish. But you look at the Utes, man. Offensively, they're as much as a mystery as anybody when you factor in these transfers and transfers in and transfers out. Because a kid like Theo Howard, I remember him back with UCLA, and then he goes to Oklahoma. Well, I thought when he played for the Bruins, he was a big-time receiver. And so then he goes away. I don't pay attention that much to Oklahoma individually as opposed to their team. When they're in the Pac-12, I can identify who you are individually as opposed to just the team because I really focus in on these games, right? Well, I remember him wearing the Bruin uh, blue and gold, I think their colors are, right? And so can he replicate? But now he's coming in, you're bringing in guys, and he's got zero history with the quarterback, right? You're coming from two different places. Same conference, ironically, with the Big 12, may it rest in peace. But now you got these guys, and what are they going to be able to do in a relatively short amount of time? The fascination for me is really probably higher than ever. So, so excited, so excited to be here, so excited to see what these teams can do, because I think the Utes have a shot. 
you know, and that's really in August, or we're not in August yet, about uh, when we get there. That's what you hope for, you know, the old Lavelle Edwards. Well, you know, we have a chance to be really good. I think the Utes do have a chance to be really good. They do have a chance to win the South. We'll see about who they would play if they won the South. But they could finish third. I don't think they'll finish lower than third. You know, injuries could derail everything. But they could finish first, second, or third. To me, the intrigue, sports already has intrigue. It's real life in that way. And it already has intrigue. And to figure out you could win the division or maybe even finish third, that's exciting to me because I don't know what's going to happen once we get into the heart of the season. So I want to run this by you as a longtime Pac-10 and then Pac-12 fan if this would bug you. There's been plenty of stuff thrown up against the wall about how the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the ACC should react to the SEC moving Oklahoma and Texas. And Uh one thing I was told was people have to quit with the whole we're going to take this market, that market kind of thing because there aren't that many markets that really move the needle in a way that's going to help anybody close the gap with the SEC. It's like generals fighting the last war. You learn that in political science classes, right? You have to think ahead. And one thing that was thrown out was this. The Pac-12 should give up nine conference games, and as soon as I heard that, I could feel you flinching. But they should go to eight, partly because that just seems to be the standard for the playoff and set yourself up. Even even with a 12-team playoff, it will still be a factor in how teams are seeded. So do that, and when you give up the conference game, go back to the deal you had for about three minutes with the Big Ten, the scheduling agreement, and set a guaranteed number of 12, 14, 16, 18, whatever it is. It can't be everybody playing two games, but essentially has to be that. Now, USC and Stanford want to play Notre Dame, and teams like Utah have deals on the books with Florida, you don't want to take them off. So you figure out whatever that number is, and you guarantee that number. And then, because you have that contract, that deal with the Big Ten, then you and the Big Ten... The Pac-12 and the Big Ten take their TV rights deal to market together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't have the legal mind to know if that avoids antitrust. I was told it did. Let's assume that's true. But they said the SEC is out there. No one with a straight face can say you're a monopoly. The SEC is sitting over there with the biggest deal. But then you yeah. put that on the market. There is money to be unlocked. Now, if you don't play Arizona, Oregon State, that doesn't have that many eyeballs on it, even Arizona-Purdue or Arizona-Rutgers or whoever you think the bottom of the conference is, is going to have more eyeballs on it just because there's so many eyeballs in that part of the country and that you can get more value out of this. And I said, well, that's, man, that's radical. And they're like, yeah, well, there's fear in the room now because I don't, you know, I don't think any of us expect tomorrow that four, six, or eight teams in the Pac-12 are going to leave to form some gigantic conference with the Big Ten but they might. And that ought to scare the daylights out of two, four, six, eight teams in the Pac-12. The Dickens, if you will. The Dickens, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington are going to be fine. And after that, there ought to be varying levels of fear beyond those four schools in those massive markets with those brand names. I don't think Stanford and Cal will be left uh, out, but yeah. they might be. Combined, they aren't drawing 50,000 people to their football games. They might be, no. you know, certainly... Utah fans, you haven't been that long. They could leave you. Arizona, Oregon State, Washington State. So there's fear in the room. That would be kind of radical. You're a longtime fan. Would you be okay with that? I think there's concern. I'd go with more concern rather than fear because I think a lot of these programs are still very attractive 
to something, something that is unknown. I can't put, well, uh, to the Big 12 or a conglomeration of this conference merging mm-hmm. with that conference. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's really not the point. There's a, lo- a lot of programs in the Pac-12 that had a lot of value that can offer, if for no other reason is they're not as bad as fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. uh, of the whatever school, Big 12, whatever you want to do. So... They've got a lot of media markets there. You know, obviously the Phoenix market has exploded over the years. So I would go with concern rather than fear. But, yeah, I think you, this is the time for innovation, for new thinking, thinking, uh, you know, outside of the box. Well, there is no outside of the box. Everything is in the box now. The, the parameters of the box have expanded basically coast to coast. You know what I mean? Yeah. From Texas all the way to the Canadian border. I don't think there's anybody in Can- Sam and Frazier. We don't really need you, so we don't. We're not going nice. to walk off some can- can- Canadian teams. But everything now is in the box. The box is just so large, and you have to think a new way in a manner yes. that you've never thought before, and you have to be proactive. And that's what this conference commissioner that we're going to have this afternoon on at 315 right here on our station, one of the things or many things that we'll ask him because they have to consider everything. And absolutely the stuff that you're talking about needs to be considered. You're a forward-thinking guy anyway, so I would be interested in what you have to say because because you're always looking ahead rather than back. And so with that in mind, most definitely you consider those things and other things too. Well, I do look back on NBA history, and that drives you nuts. But I had a conversation with David Locke that we will get to when you get back to Utah. And it was super interesting about the way the NBA has changed, how teams are going to be built going forward, what that means for the Jazz short-term and long-term, and where the Jazz fit into it. And there are trends that go both ways that work for the Jazz and against them, but there's more that work for them than work against them. It was super interesting. We will delve into that another time. Pac-12 Media Day is not the day for that. And you got that coming up. Why don't you go uh, gargle with salt water or something or uh, whatever it is that uh, – stars do before they go out and have their performance at the at the Met or at Radio City Music Hall? Because you're going to be talking for a long time. <laughs> yeah, all the way till basically 6 o'clock. Yeah, 9 till 6. <laughs> nine hours of Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, is, is Jake wide awake or does he look like our producer hey, back in the day? Week. Early morning? He's, is, just, he's firing up his computer. No, he said he went to bed early. He didn't sleep very well last night. But uh, he's right next to me. He's got his coffee and... We're all ready to go. He's Right now he's researching Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, let me tell you, he's a hell of a player. He's probably <laughs> the overall best player in the conference. Yep. All right, we will talk to you guys in half an hour. Gear up, Pac-12 Media Day, live from Los Angeles. PK and Jake Scott ready to go at 9 o'clock. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network. What's going to happen with the SEC? How are other conferences going to react? What does it mean for Utah and BYU? We will get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Gave me some things that needed to be done and handled in case you died. Yeah. You know, we set up a little GoFundMe for the family. We, we yep. do some other things uh-huh. to make sure everybody's taken care of. And then your last one was, I don't think I could fulfill that one. <laughs> 
the last one, I, I just was in a bad place when I told you that last yeah. one. By the way, you and Lloyd both have to speak at my funeral. You don't want to speak at Yeah, I do. Funeral. I want both of you to speak for 10 minutes because I think it might be the first time in both of your lives that you would be forced to say something kind about me. Oh, that's not true. Lloyd, you'd have some happy hour recording. He's like, I've got all the drops ready to go. <laughs> 20 minutes of drops. Everybody at my, at my funeral is like, so he had herpes, huh? Is that what did him in? Or was it the ladder on the road? I'm not going to make it if I don't get this pie in me. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. DJ and PK, there is a lot going on with college athletics, college football, media days, realignment, how to respond to realignment issues. Time to bring in Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. July is considered Smart Irrigation Month to celebrate. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is giving away free smart controllers to commercial properties until the end of July. Hosting costs not included. Visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333 for more information. Brad, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, before I get started, uh, two weeks ago, my family and I came out to Utah. We stayed in Park City. Uh, we were out there a week. I was able to visit my favorite Pac-12 conference school in Salt Lake City and also my favorite independent school in Provo. But without question, the highlight of my trip is I hit a golf ball further than I ever have in my entire life, and I absolutely loved it. So I guess we're out of time, so I'll talk to you next week. But thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, well, Brett, when you drove to Park City, you drove within a mile of my house. I mean, I'd have bought you a meal. You've come on the show enough, and you've been a good enough guy to us. I absolutely would have bought you lunch. So uh, I will get on a plane right now and pick you up. <laughs> get that free lunch. All right. And uh, PK and I will uh, take you somewhere. I'm terrible, so I'll make you feel good about your game. PK's pretty good. He can probably give you a tip and actually make your game better. So, you know, we can do, we can do lunch and a round of golf next time you come. There are hey, I got it. so I got it. many I courses. It, it just, yeah. uh, it's so beautiful out there. I, I just love that area of the country. So. Well, I did want to anyway, ask you before sure we you want to talk about conference realignment. We do, and absolutely. But before we do that, I'm curious because um, everyone feels it to a different degree, and I do to agree. I work at a local TV station here, in addition to doing radio. So when something like this happens, you know, when something big happens, you have to drop everything you're doing. This college football stuff, a lot of stuff goes down in the summer. Do you really get summer vacations? Or for guys, you know, there's probably 10 to 20 of you who really do what you do at the level you do it. And anything happens anywhere in America, do you just have to like, yeah, never mind, I'm not going to the beach today. I'll be sitting over on this computer pounding out a story and doing interviews. I mean, how, yeah, how does it work for exactly you? exactly right. Yeah, well, I mean, the good news about my job is I have a lot of flexibility. The bad news about my job is there's a lot of flexibility. So... Um, you know, you don't have a nine to five job. You don't turn off your phone at five o'clock. It's constantly on. You constantly have to be ready for the unexpected. So there, there's obviously good and bad to that. I mean, there are sometimes, um, you know, fortunately, a conference realignment didn't break when I was in Utah. But, um, you know, if I'm going to go, you know, out of, out of state, you know, I'm based in Florida. So if I'm going to go out of state for a week vacation with my family, 
you know, I do shut it off and shut it down. And if stuff happens and, it, you know, I can't report on it, so be it. But, you know, other than, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, out of the year when you do that, you you know, you're basically on call. Um, it got to a point, you know, early in my career where my wife was like, you're not a doctor. You don't have to take everyone's call. I'm like, you don't understand. There's I'm talking to people out on the, the West Coast. They've got different time zone. You know, you're talking to people at the East Coast. So, And also with a lot of people, you've got one chance to get a call or get a text. And if you don't respond at that time, you may not hear from them for another week. So, um, look, I'm not going to sit here and bellyache about it. I, I love what I do, and it's it's great. And, um, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, you're right. It's it's going to get a lot more active now that Texas sent out a year to the SEC, and we see what happens in the other leagues. So I talked to somebody who's well-versed in all this kind of stuff, far more better-versed than I, and they said it's like squeezing an orange. You got all the juice out of this orange. Oklahoma and Texas, they're kind of a one-off. And obviously we know why the SEC wanted to do that. But to think that all these other leagues are now going to react, there's like no moves available to counter Oklahoma and Texas unless the Big Ten or or ACC lands Notre Dame. But other than that, there's nothing. People have to look at other ways to unlock value. Do you think that's true? Is that what you're hearing about the ACC adding West Virginia or the Big Ten or Pac-12 taking some of these other Big 12 schools or rating each other or whatever? Yeah, I think that person you talked to, they're, they're accurate in what they said. However, I don't think anyone really knows definitively yet um, if adding additional schools is going to help, you know, the, the conferences you talked about, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12. I mean, ultimately, those, those ADs, those commissioners, the presidents are having those discussions right now. They're going to their TV consultants trying to break down the numbers. Heck, I guarantee you, they're going to their TV partners, they're going to ESPN, they're going to Fox, whoever they're aligned with, and saying, okay, look, our conference makeup is now 12 schools. It's now 14 schools, whatever the number is. And if we go at team A, B, C, or D, or any combination of those teams, how does that change the value of our contract per school? You're not going to add schools that bring you less money per team so that's something they're looking at. I don't know the answers to that. Um, but then the other thing, which makes this round of expansion different than the others, is, you know, the SEC smart. They knew, and I thought this for some time, I thought it had died down, but obviously it didn't. I thought at some point we'd get to these 16-team super conferences. So if you're the SEC, if you're Texas or Oklahoma, do you want to be the first conference to get to 16 where you get the top two choices? Or do you want to wait and be the last one to get to 16, and then your options are not so great? Um, if that's the case, um, you know, then you have to wonder if the Big Ten and Pac-12 will react just to get to 16, um, just for security reasons. So the craziest things I heard that still seem plausibly possible are that the Big Ten could raid the Pac-12 for four, six, or eight teams, or some of the top teams in the Big 12 could pull away and you could have two divisions of eight or ten and have this mega conference that I guess goes from Penn State to USC. Uh, there was that, and that the fear of that should drive other teams to accept that the scheduling agreement that the two leagues almost did, that then they didn't do a few years ago, they need to put that in play. They need to go to eight conference games and create more intersectional games, ten Power Five games, mostly have those non-conference games be 
Big Ten versus Pac-12. But USC and Stanford are going to keep playing Notre Dame, and you want them to because that brings a lot of value. Utah's got Florida scheduled. There's some other things like that. But that they need to create this, whether it's 14, 16, 18 games a year, whatever it is, this scheduling agreement, and then they need to take the TV packages uh, to bid together as one contract and that they would be, and I, I don't have the legal background to know anything about this, but they would be protected against antitrust because the SEC is the big dog. No one can say you've got a monopoly when the SEC is sitting over there. Uh, they're like-minded. They've had the relationship with the Rose Bowl they're on their campuses with the presidents, the regents, the faculty. They do like to say we do things differently, so don't go down the road the SEC is going. Do this where you link up even more together without raiding each other and kind of um, you know revealing yourself to be the capitalist that you are. Does that strike you as plausible? Is that anything you've heard, or is that just way too outside the box? Uh, it's not outside the box, but the the one thing that keeps that from happening, there's no commissioner of college football. There's nobody that's overlooking what's best for college football. Everyone's basically seeing what's best for the Pac-12, what's best for the SEC, and rightfully so. You have no, you really have no responsibility to, well, if I'm going to add Oklahoma and Texas, is that going to hurt the Big Ten? You, you can't think like that. If you do, then the Big Ten's going to add Oklahoma and Texas. So, what you said makes sense, but until we get kind of a czar of college football that kind of over oversees everybody, I don't think that will happen, unfortunately. Two commissioners in 26 schools would all have to get on the same page, and that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> I, I get your point there and what the holdup would be there. Uh, so do you think the Big 12 is going to, and this is really important to a lot of BYU fans, do you think the Big 12 is going to try to add two or four teams and stay together? Are they all off shopping for new homes? Or, this seems most likely in my mind, both those things will happen at the same time, and these teams will have to decide, do we really want to jump in this boat, or is this boat about to come apart? Um, kind, of, kind of all of the above. Basically, the Big 12 future is dependent on the Big 10, is dependent on the ACC, is dependent on the Pac-12. If any of those leagues decide to expand and pick off members from the Big 12, then the Big 12 will implode. If none of those other power conferences decide that what you mentioned, that none of these other schools bring value to their leagues and they're going to stand pat at 12 or 14 or whatever number they're at, then the remaining Big 12 schools um, will be fine. They'll have eight members. You know, heck, bring back the old Big 8 logo. Um, And then what they've got to decide is, Moving forward, again, they now have to ask the question, does it add value to their league to add whatever group of five teams that they would want to add to their conference? Um, Does it add them more value per school by adding a Cincinnati or a UCF or a Boise State or a BYU? Or are they actually going to make more money per school by remaining at eight? How much security is there in remaining at eight? Those are questions they've got to answer, um, but to use the cliche, they don't control their own fate. They don't control their own destiny. If any of those power leagues decide to expand and pick off some of their teams, then they'll splinter and we'll probably go from 10 FBS conferences to nine in the next three or four years. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider, writer for Stadium Network, joining us. As these new TV deals... um get cut, CBS is obviously losing their SEC game of the week. Are they going to be a bidder for the Big Ten 
and the Pac-12 and maybe some other conferences, or are they going to get out of college football? Because obviously more bidders gives the conferences more leverage to get more money. Uh, They may not get out of it, but they're certainly not going to pay what they paid the SEC. So they could go to these conferences and say, okay, look, we have an interest in, in doing your games, but you're not getting SEC money. That's why they got out of it. ESPN um, threw more money at the SEC, and that's why the SEC left. So I don't, I even, I've talked to people. I don't know if what CBS's strategy is, if they're just basically going to not do football, college football anymore. Um, obviously, CBS Sports Network, which is a much smaller mm-hmm. um, division of CBS Sports, they have deals with group of five leagues and 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 do games like that. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't foresee them automatically saying, "Okay, we were going to offer," you know, make up a fictitious number. We're going to offer a hundred million to the SEC. Um, well, they're not doing our games anymore, so now we're going to offer this hundred million to the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whoever it may be. Uh, that's to be determined, but you know, one optimistic thing certainly for the Pac-12 and and uh, the Big Ten and other leagues that are redoing their rights deals in the coming coming years. You know, there there continues to be this talk that Amazon or Apple or even Netflix, you know, some of these streaming services that you would think they're not going to have live sports. They there's still continual talk that behind the scenes that these guys will at some point jump into live TV rights. And if that happens, then that would obviously be a tremendous opportunity for any of these leagues. And financially, you know, you know how well all those folks are doing right now. So could they make more going through a subscriber service? Possibly. Absolutely. Um, Would fan bases have to get used to, you know, turning on Netflix or Amazon to watch their games? Absolutely. Would it matter? No. Because people will be able to watch it on their device, whether it's a TV, cell phone, you know, whatever app or device you have. Um, and I think that's what the Pac-12 is hoping for. I know that's what the Big 12 was hoping for when they were going to do their media rights deal before Oklahoma and Texas left. So at least there's some, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a train right now. The best acronym I've heard in a long time for what they might do to cable, satellite, and over-the-air TV is FANG. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> the FANG. I left out Facebook. Facebook's already doing Major League Baseball games. So, yeah, it's anything's possible. And you know what? Bottom line is, whatever pays the most money, whatever brings in the most revenue, that's what these leagues are going to do. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network. And, of course, Stadium has had some Utah State games, so uh, some of you are familiar with them. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. And when you're back in Utah, lunch, golf, you know, whatever you want. You got it. I'll take you up on that. All right. Brett McMurphy, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 15 minutes to Pac-12 Media Day. Patrick Kinahan, Jake Scott. Rubbing their hands together, ready to go. A nine-hour marathon with Pac-12 coaches and players coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Greg Rubel, voice of the BYU Cougars. Let's say the Big 12 just says every university for itself. Maybe people would think that's a negative scenario for BYU, but might it be a positive because they do bring more value than a lot of those schools that all of a sudden would be scrambling? If you were to talk about making an athletics-based and market-based decision for your league in its long-term future, BYU could be a valuable asset. Once you start getting into everything else involving philosophies and fit and all the things that have tended to ruffle some feathers in the highest offices in the past, well, then things get somewhat complicated. But the things that really drive these decisions, BYU checks a lot of boxes for whichever league we're interested. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing, your locally owned roof repair experts. For free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Okay, so I read a story I'm going to tell you about. If PK were here, he'd be making fun of me in about 3.2 seconds. I'm not going to do the total deep dive. It's not built for radio, nor are you that into it. But I think the bigger discussion you're into, and I read a fascinating piece on The Athletic on NBA Finals TV ratings and what corporate America thought of them and what the broadcast industry thought of them and the explanations for why they are the way they are. But I think this morning illustrates the biggest point. And the, and the, the quick summary is everybody is partially right. The ratings are way down. There are lots of reasons. Some of the reasons are tugging away a lot of viewers. Some are tugging away a few viewers. Obviously, the ratings in the league have been politicized big time. First by the whole Daryl Morey tweet about China, and then by Black Lives Matter, social justice last summer in the bubble, and all of that. I think the biggest thing is what Brett McMurphy was just talking about. There are now so many streaming services offering so much video. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Having worked in local TV for a long time, I can tell you, it was really cool and totally awesome when we had a monopoly on video. If you wanted video, you had to turn on the television. That was the only place to get it. We had a monopoly, and it was awesome, and we did not fully appreciate it. (laughs) Only later did we realize, hey, wait a minute, that was really cool. Now there's so many sources, and do not discount how much TikTok, how much screen time is in TikTok. Oh, my gosh. And it just keeps going. Who knows what will be new in a year. But just from a sports viewpoint, when I was a kid, heck, when Yuck was a kid, Yuck, how much TV, how much media was available in the morning? Maybe radio, right? Media, radio on the way to school. Yeah. You listen to this show with your dad? No, I listen to this show in high school waking up every morning. Oh, boy. I've told you this. You, you freaked right out now, the first time I Right now, I feel like I'm about 147 no, years old. When, oh, I told you. <laughs> I remember the very first time I told you that. You were like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just really. Because it's like Locke said, I'm 32 years old. No, you're not. You're not even close to 32 but years old. Knock it off. Your, your point is well taken, is that your but options. Right now, yeah, your options. Right now, and I get the Olympics every four years, every five this time. Uh, but on average, every four years, there are people right now going crazy over the Olympics, which right now are being broadcast at any one time on three to five different networks. So you got your options. You got archery over there. You got volleyball over there. You got gymnastics over here. You got sports all over the place. We are all in on Pac-12 Media Day. In about seven minutes, PK and Jake are going to go into a nine-hour deep dive on the Pac-12 Media Day. That kind of stuff 
never existed. This is a relatively new deal. At the same time, we got a uh, we got a big big screen TV in here. Not a big TV like a drop. What what is what size is that TV, Yuck? Nice medium size. Is that about a forty inch TV? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. No, actually, probably bigger than that's probably 50, 52. Well, then that's what I have at home. That's my big TV. Then if it's 50, 50, that's the range I'm in. So uh, we don't believe that. it's on. Uh, no, really, it is. <clears throat> and so. Um, and the sound is down, but every time I look over, they got the headlines there, and it has been 90% Aaron Rodgers, which doesn't resonate here at all. People here are into college football. Rodgers, it's a nice note, but I mean, it's camp. He's going to show up. But the fact he has shown up to camp, he's got this deal, he's not going to be under contract in 2023, and this is probably his last year. They're going to try to make sure the culture is fit and all, and maybe he'll be back in 2022, or maybe they'll move him. Or maybe they'll just cut him and let him go. Whatever. They're going to do something for 2022. But 2023 is now. He's gone. And 2022, he's probably gone. This is probably his last year. He's shown up at camp this morning. And that is borderline wall-to-wall news on ESPN. So all these things are just splitting the audience up. There are so many choices for you. There are podcasts that never existed before. There are more TV networks and more streaming services than ever before. And it is just fracturing the audience everywhere. And one of the illuminating things in this, in, this, uh, in this story was, yes, the NBA ratings are down versus two years ago. They're up versus the bubble, but they're down versus two years ago. This is one of like the four lowest rated, four or five lowest rated NBA finals. Now it's in July and there are fewer televisions on. And there are a lot of people saying it's the absence of LeBron, except the 2007 when LeBron went to the finals for the first time is one of the lowest rated ever. They got worked by San Antonio. I think it was a four-game sweep, actually. So is it sometimes that it's not LeBron and Steph? Yeah, maybe. But when it's been LeBron, it hasn't worked out that well. Um, Is it that there are more foreign players and people don't identify with? It's funny, I identify with the foreign players, so I don't get that. There's all these theories being thrown out there. I thought Giannis's post-game interview was one of the most memorable reactions. I mean, LeBron on the ground crying when Cleveland won it. That was was pretty memorable. (laughs) That was a pretty memorable reaction. But Giannis looking over at Chris Middleton and saying, Chris, we did it. You know, that's something a super team can't say. I didn't even say it, but you know, I can say it with the same feeling. It was so, it was so satisfying when he said it. I've been to Milwaukee for the NCAA tournament and once for a baseball game. (laughs) It's like, I don't have any ties to Milwaukee, but I I felt for them in that minute. You know, it it was, uh, it resonated to Stockton and Malone for me. Kind of like you were there a long time and you pulled it off. And there are a lot of guys who've been there a long time and they have awesome careers and they're Hall of Famers and they didn't get to do that. And you did. And you knew somehow you know the history of the game because that was part of the satisfaction in your voice. And whether you've watched old clips, because now people get video off of YouTube. How do they leave YouTube out of that whole rant? Now, maybe you watch it on YouTube and you know. Maybe your coach told you. Maybe your assistant coaches told you. Maybe you just read up on it, cruising the internet on your phone. But you know it. That was part of the satisfaction in your voice. So, ratings are down for a lot of reasons. Whatever we're most passionate about, we now get to go pursue. That video exists. And we can go find whatever it is we want to watch. Wherever we want to watch it. More TV stations, more cable stations than ever, but more over-the-air TV stations than ever. And good grief, KUTV, we got three of them. 
I never thought I was going to work there. When I started, you got hired at a TV station. There was one TV station. How did we end up with three of them? There's more over-the-air TV, more cable and satellite, more streaming, more TikToks, more of the TikTok. And that is bringing the ratings down for everything. And as much as sports is down, you can't compare sports now against sports then. You have to compare how much sports is down now versus how much everything else is down. And if you think sports ratings are down, you ought to check out what's happened to sitcoms and dramas. They don't get watched live. They get binge watched. I'm finishing up my third show in the last year. The pandemic has changed my viewing habits. So is having an 18-year-old. Who's <laughs> getting me up to date on everything. I'm wrapping up The Good Place. I got one episode to go. I'm going to need a new show, people. Don't hit me up, Stranger Things. Been there, done that. Saw the first two years. They were pretty crazy. I'm not really a sci-fi guy, but that was pretty good. So if you got something else, hit me up. I got time, because for the next nine hours, it's Pac-12 Media Day. PK and Jake from L.A., next.